This is Back to Debbie, a show brought to you by Campus to Ken. This podcast specializes in collegiate football players and their potential for future fancy success in the NFL. I'm your host, Mike V. This is my co-host, Corey P. Today, we're going to bring on a special guest for our mock draft we're doing a little bit later. But first, Corey with the news. Yeah, we'll start over here with the transfer portal. Just a few last updates, mostly kind of uh, the fallout still from all the moving pieces in the coaching carousel. So we've got former Washington quarterback Austin Mack. He's transferred to Alabama. This also caused um, their top recruit uh, quarterback in this class, Julian Sane. He's going to flip to Ohio State. Now, not really our field. Make sure you guys are listening to the, the official to catch up on all your freshman news. But that's also a noteworthy thing. We also have former Washington wide receiver Jeremy Bernard. He's heading to Alabama. This one was kind of expected, I thought. They definitely need wide receiver bodies in there. Um, he's a guy we both like. I posted the question into the chat uh, earlier today. Jeremy Bernard, given their whole wide receiver room right now, uh, given what we know about him as a player, we kind of like what we saw at Washington and, you know, Kalen DeBoer's affection for him that we've heard. Um, where would you place him in your rankings right now? You don't have to give me a specific number, but, you know, top 25, top 30. Where are you feeling him right now? I thought in the 30s was appropriate. I actually yeah. have my updated rankings. He's 33 before this move to Alabama. So I probably bump him up upper 20s, upper 20s, mid 20s. But yeah, yeah, I think I think that sounds about right. Is there anybody else in this wide receiver core that you're even thinking about buying this year? You know, I know we don't necessarily love the guys here, but we've seen what Kalen DeVore does with a lot of his offensive weapons here. Like Jalen Hale broke some of the year one zero thresholds. We didn't think that he would. We weren't. We thought he was closer to like a Jahori Brooks prospect type guy. But, you know, he's somebody that's been getting a little bit of buzz. Kobe Prentice has been here a long time and getting a lot of playing time. Hasn't really flashed, but, you know, Kendrick Law a little bit last year. Is there anybody here that you kind of think could also make some noise along with Jeremy Bernard? Yeah, I... <laughs> I don't like well, Jacory Brooks is gone. I mean, I always thought Jalen Hale was kind of like the next Jacory Brooks. They have a very similar skill set. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do think Kalen DeBoer does develop these guys with like some top tier, like ball tracking and top tier hands, which is kind of what I thought would have been the developmental range of Jalen Hale. So I think Hale could actually fit in this system somewhere and kind of rise up the ranks. Um, not sure how that's going to translate, uh, but. I actually do think Hale fits the scheme better than he fit what Alabama had before. So this is a stock up for Hale. Also, just a quick mention on Austin Mack. I don't know if you knew this, but on Washington's website, they listed him at 226 pounds. Oh, so, so he's, he's filled out. Like he was like yeah, 200 coming in. Yeah, he's th- yeah, pretty pretty thickly built there. Yeah, that's not bad. That's a, that's a good sign for him. I'm not, I'm, I'm optimistic that he could potentially be the guy next year but i mean everything changes so much in this landscape yes. right now and i don't even know what's going to happen with it with this quarterback room but yeah i do i do agree kind of a jalen hale is kind of the most like enticing i guess from just like i don't know there's some traits there that the rest of this room like the, the rest of this room just doesn't dazzle you right like kendrick law kind of yeah. like a interesting guy like prentice maybe like a solid slot option type guy maybe could be a guy manufacture that touch, you know, short manufacture touches yeah exactly so it's not a very exciting group i'm still praying somehow that you know top recruit uh, ryan williams who reopened his commitment you know away from alabama somehow finds his way back to alabama even though they're saying he's going to auburn but Did you see hopefully he still finds a way he brought like his whole family I know him? that's why I'm that's why I'm still hopeful. I'm still hopeful because I yeah. could see like some legit like year one playing time for him, you know, in in this Absolutely. offense. And with Kalen DeBoer, like that would just be that would just be awesome. I would love it. I would love it. Yeah. Uh, heading on to some other names here, we've got former Arizona running back Jonah Coleman. He's heading over to Washington following Jed Fish over there. Jonah Coleman is an interesting guy actually that I kind of want to get uh, a look at a little bit more. He's popped in some like advanced metrics. There's a lot of guys out there that kind of like him a lot more, and I haven't really given him like the time of day. Like, have you ever taken a look at Jonah Coleman? I have box scores scouted recently because the same thing as you. Like I've been seeing people talk about him. Yeah, yeah. 
he seemed to split the role with um Mikey. It's escaping me, but like then yeah. like his like Coleman's like it was just all like small efficiency stuff kind of like how yeah. Jordan James was and then when Mikey came back like it was gone and then I think Jonah Coleman's best game was Colorado like everybody else in the Pac-12 and he went for like 180 yards but like it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't uh I was a little just box scores guy a little disappointed but I, I am it's on my list of people to watch yeah def- same thing for me so um heading over to Texas where they keep adding more wide or receiving options I guess this time with Alabama tight end Amari Knight Black, um, Silas Bolden, old Oregon State wide receiver, also headed there. Um, a smaller guy, probably going to be a slot guy, even though he did play more outside there at Oregon. Um, are you getting worried about you know like the ball being spread around too much for like even a guy like Jonte Cook to kind of get involved uh, or have a consistent role kind of with this offense now with everybody that's coming in? Yeah, uh, and we'll probably talk about it for our draft a little bit later. Yeah, a little I, bit later, yeah. I think I'm. I'm, I'm first off, uh, a lot of us at the site have updated our rankings and I'm very excited because it's like, there's not a lot of clear, like top the way we have each year. Mm-hmm. I think I'm the low man on John Tate Cook only because we have to wait another full year to re- really see him. Um, yeah. But yes, yeah, yeah. So yes, you answer your question. I am like a little bit where there's too many mouths to feed, like elite mouths to feed. Um, Got to wait another year. And I, not that I don't think he gets it. I just don't want to wait another year. Yeah, I guess in, in C2C terms, if you're looking at like Debbie for C2C, like, but if you're playing like raw C2C, I still don't mind taking a shot on a guy that you think has like an NFL skill set, I guess. But we'll get more into that. We'll talk about it a little bit more when we get into the draft. Um, other transfer portal news. This is one where guys aren't leaving, and that's just everybody was wondering. Arizona wide receiver Tatori McMillan, he's going to stay along with quarterback Noah Fafita. They're going to stay with Arizona. They had, a, they had a couple other guys pull out of the portal, like uh, their tight end Keon Burnett was a like a high four-star or whatever. He's going to stick with his team. Some other guys hop back out. So it seems like some guys are settling down, um, heading back to Arizona. So it's not going to be a complete wasteland of talent there, and not everybody's moving out and shipping to Arizona. Um, so some things to look at there. And then last but not least, Dante Cephas, formerly of Kent State, formerly of Penn State last year, who didn't really make a mark. He's headed over to our favorite team of back to Devi, uh, Kansas State, to be a weapon there for every Johnson. Um, wanted to head over into some draft tidbits here. Like nothing really like concrete here um, for the way things are heading. But we're starting to get some projections. Guys are putting out mock drafts. And then, you know, Senior Bowl um, has just released some graphics. And this is kind of new this year. Um, but on these graphics, they have some verified listings of weights and, and heights, which we haven't really seen from them in the past. But they but they say they're verified. They got a V beside them for the for the guys that are verified. If I don't mention their name, then chances are they came in uh, as we expected. Uh, weights totally fine. Or um, we don't have verified for the uh, measurement for them. But a couple interesting ones that stood out. South Carolina wide receiver Xavier Leggett. He was listed at 6'3", 227 pounds. He came in six foot, 6'7". And 219 pounds. So definitely a little Liar. bit smaller there. A little bit Liar. smaller than we thought there. So <laughs> uh, we haven't really, this isn't kind of common place. You know, uh, uh, Quentin Johnson, we saw last year, didn't come in as big as he was. You know, even back to like Nikhil Harry didn't come in as big. Like a lot of these tall guys just don't come in as like Xavier Hutchinson last year. What was just, He was listed at 6'4". He came in at 6'1". Like there's a lot of guys that just don't end up the size that they're listed. But I don't know why they overblow it so much in, in college, but they really do. Um, H.G. Perry was six foot five, two hundred, and I and like came in at six foot three. Like it was almost preferred yeah. sometimes too. Like sometimes it's like, why are you even lying? We prefer the actual truth on some of these guys. 
Yeah, sometimes it's like they think that we want like this bigger size, some or like it's gonna look better in NFL circles. But it's like some they're kind of going more towards these like we want you smaller and moving a little bit better than these like rocked up athletes, you know. But, yeah. Um, uh, some other interesting ones here: uh, Arizona wide receiver Jacob Cowling getting a little bit closer to that Tank Dell uh, comparison you dropped. Still don't know if they're the same as a player, but five. I, think I dropped that. Did I drop? I don't think I dropped. Draw, I'm not a, I am not the Jacob Cowling fan of this company. No, but you did. I think in a couple episodes ago, you com- you compared him to Tank Dell at least, but maybe in a different type of way, different okay. type of light. I don't know. Whatever. Either okay. way, he's he's coming in at five eight, one hundred and fifty seven pounds. So very very light. I think he was listed at what one hundred and seventy five pounds. So he's yeah. definitely like right on that Tank Dell archetype, at least from a measurement standpoint. They um, just Devon- flip the seven and the five around. It's just a yeah, yeah pretty right. much. Yeah. <laughs> um, Devontae Walker, our boy from UNC, uh, got some favorable draft projections. We'll get into that really soon here, though. But he came in at 6'1.6. So he was listed at 6'3, came in at that 197 pounds. So he's right kind of like where we expected. Totally fine with that. Don't mind it. Another guy that did come in, we're expected, which I was a little bit skeptical of because I just wanted to see. Came in very light as a recruit. Um, and then a lot of people are talking about how stocky he was, but Malachi Corley from uh, Western Kentucky, he's five ten and a half. He came in at 211 pounds. So he's fitting that mold exactly the way they said he was. He, he's put on the 15 pounds of muscle. Um, he's looking really rocked up for, for the senior bowl. And then just a little bit of running back. Uh, Ray Davis came in at five, eight point five and 216 pounds. And I, Mike, please, um, correct me here on why you listed him here. Was he listed heavier than this or was he listed lighter than this? No taller. He was five ten. Oh, 5'10". Okay, so yeah, he's, yeah. he's shaving off some inches there. But I, I do believe he was just at like 5'9 at Temple or something like that. So okay. he does uh, – so it, this is pretty close, I guess, uh, to his list. Anything here that kind of stands out to you, you know, uh, if any of these guys a big, big miss with uh, Xavier Leggett there, does that bother you at all? Um, Yeah, because he's supposed to be like a hyper athlete. We don't really care about the technical work. So we have mm-hmm. like the bigger the athlete, it's a little bit more appealing. So I actually do think that's kind of a hit to his profile. I do wonder if it's going to be like this year's Jonathan Mingo we didn't really see the footwork from on film. And then he showed up to the senior bowl with fast footwork for his size. Anyway. Um, so Worthy's the main one there. I know you had a Greg Dorch comp for Jacob County, which I think every single day becomes more and more true. So that's kind of tight. <laughs> yeah. Um, Walker though is fine. Like I don't, I think his height's fine. I, I, my comp for him was always Mike Williams, Mike Wallace, excuse me, Mike Wallace. So I, Feel like that's a little bit closer to it getting closer now to that at least like yeah lining up more, more better yeah, you, you can stop adding the mike wallace plus two inches soon <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when you talk about his comparison take yeah. off and just do plus one yeah oh man the amount of comments and or replies of people like um when we dropped those comparison threads on twitter this week and like the different amount the, like Somebody told me Devontae Walker was like Chris Olave, and someone told me like Troy Franklin was somebody else. And I was just like, these comps are all over the place. <laughs> like, I don't, are people watching the same players that we are? Because sometimes like, Troy Franklin, CD <laughs> Lamb clan, like people, yeah. that crowd is wild. And I've seen that quite a few times. So that's uh, yeah, that's uh, there's definitely some very lofty ones out there. And Kratos, and, uh, Kratos aka Mr. Odunz, they definitely hit me up a couple times again for my Sutton comparison. But it's not a bad comparison, man. Come on. Uh, <laughs> it's not a bad team yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's head over to just to, i want to just hit on a couple tidbits from the daniel jamari's mock draft that just came out and dame burglar's most recent draft mock the reason we like to just look at it is just guys who are at least getting buzz that we like or or want to see where they're kind of headed right now jeremiah's mock draft you know pretty status quo at the top caleb williams drake may J, uh, jane daniels qb one two three uh marvin harrison jr romo dunze and malik harrison your wide receiver one two three he does have odunze before malik maybe he just believes the chargers would prefer romo dunze over a guy like malik i don't know um but he does have him listed there before 
The only interesting one that he did have, uh, to me at least, was Bo Nix listed as a top 15 pick quarterback four going to New Orleans uh, at, at uh, 14th overall. And then right at the end, he's got our boy Devontae Walker, 29th overall, going to Kansas City Chiefs. The first time I've seen him mocked in a first round draft. And uh, Troy Franklin going at 32 to the Ravens. Uh, how do you feel about seeing some of these names here? Well, we know the Chiefs can't scout wide receivers, so that would be upsetting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Walker would be surprising. I, I It would um, be, yeah. Every single year, I am definitely wrong on someone not getting first-round draft capital. Uh, like Zay Flowers last year, you know, mm-hmm. even though my fantastic co-host here was locked in. Like, Zay <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm, like, trying to, like, look at my, like, list, my scores, my grades, and be like, who is it going to be this year? I really don't think Devontae Walker is going to be a first-round pick. I just I just don't really see it. Um, mm-hmm. But I could see, like, Brian Thomas here. You have listed at 21 overall for Jeremiah. Like, I – yeah. I think he might be a one-trick pony, but like he's got some really nice measurables. Like he's very tall, got an insane like wingspan. He's gonna test well, and he comes from the SEC. Like I, I think Brian Thomas or Franklin, both the guys who I don't initially have as first rounders. I think either one of those guys could slide in. Yeah, like Brian, Brian Thomas Jr. at this point looks like he's gonna be a first rounder. With you know, he's also in Dean Brugler's mock at 17 overall wide receiver four as well. Um, you know, a guy that we maybe weren't as high on as his skill set when we both dove into the film a little bit. We both thought he was a little bit more raw than people are giving him credit for. But it seems that way anyways. It does line up for me. You know, sometimes we have to pick, you know, if we're going to pick a list out of the wide receivers of the first round, who's going to bust out of that list? Like, I wouldn't be surprised if we chose like Brian Thomas when we are kind of making yeah. those predictions later at the, at the end. We are talking about some of them. Uh, and Devontae Walker, like I'm seeing so much people out there like on the timeline, like don't know why everybody oh, now everybody's a big Devontae Walker fan and I don't get it you know oh look at mocks in the past and and uh, guys who were listed in the first round don't get listed and I swear to god it's all because you know Campus of Canton has kind of been like riding this train like that we were early on him we were on him early and we've been kind of pumping it up now seeing him projected and we're excited obviously we're very excited to see him there but I mean it's not the fact that he's projecting the first round nobody here I don't even think me and you believe that he's going to end up being a first round no. pick. but the fact is this is a sign that the NFL likes him and that is a win in its own. Like that's that's worthy of taking a little bit of a victory lap. Like if, if, even if he ends up a round three pick, that's a victory lap to me that I'm willing to take because it's like this was a relatively unknown guy from the G5. Nobody knew about him. Our company starting from like, you know, even I, I, I quote teased a video from December 2022 where we we're talking about his initial transfer up to the UNC that he could be a guy that the NFL is going to like. And so many analysts are these G5 transfers never work and nothing ever worked. Well, I mean, I, I say everybody in campus can't take your victory lap on Walker. And I think this is a good, a, a good sign for his future, at least being a draftable asset from somebody that was relatively like nobody knew about. And with people like Dane Brugler and Jeremiah, look, I love Dane's work. I actually really do love his analysis, but I always read his stuff with a certain verbatim. But these guys are insiders, and I just don't – I don't know. If I'm an NFL scout for, like, whatever NFL team, why would I tell my first-round pick to the most two most popular, like, people on the internet for, <laughs> yeah. for fantasy purposes, unless I'm, like, purposely lying? But it's still – like, like course, it's still a victory. Like, Devontae Walker's name is being brought up as a first-round pick, whether it's false information – fed out by actual NFL team are actually true. Um, this is like a huge, yeah, this is huge. And just being talked about in the first round makes you feel good that he's at least day two. And that's, yeah, you do start out at NC central. He yeah, wasn't exactly. nobody two years ago. This is, huge. I mean, Jalen Hyatt was supposed to be a first round pick last year. Ended up falling all the way to the third round. Even if that happens here, I'm yeah, still taking that as a win. We're still walking. We're still running that victory lap. So. <laughs> um, I, I did uh, Dane Brugler's mock. The only thing that was a major difference 
Um, they did. He does still have JJ McCarthy as a as a round one quarterback. I don't know if that's going to happen, but you know, he's got him listed at nineteen Q, QB four. He does not have Bo Nix, so that's his his quarterback four. And he's still rocking with Keon Coleman as his wide receiver five down at that twenty nine spot that we saw Walker got chosen. Um, so yeah, he's still riding high with that one. Not really falling off like a lot of the other people that we've been seeing. I know Dane um, was really stubborn about Will Levis down the stretch too. He was not yeah. dropping him from like top no. ten. So I still I don't even know if I expect Coleman to be a first round pick anymore, but I guess we'll see that. I still think there's a, there's people out there that that kind of like him and an NFL team that's gonna like that that like archetype, but it does seem like it's just fading like nowadays. But anyways, yeah. guys, make make sure you guys head over to the website at campuscan.com where you can become a member with one of our many subscription options. Some of which include access to our draft guides that we're all starting to write now. Our supplemental freshman guide is gonna be finishing up within the next two months or so, something like that. I don't want to speak for them. I just know I saw some of the some of the deadlines they were talking about. Um, so that's gonna be coming out too. We're starting work on our Debbie guide, get you guys ready for all those drafts. Um, we're one of the only sites that does CFF projections during the season. Those advanced metric tools you guys see everywhere. Great help for your leagues. And we also have the C2C winning edge. I think keeps you guys up to date on all the school depth charts, uh, statistical projections, uh, returning production um, might be the best place for the transfer portal as well. So make sure you guys are checking out our family of podcasts and the YouTube channel to help guide you guys through the off season. I mentioned the, that there's some disinformation going around the draft. I think that's part of the game nowadays. I think it's it's chess out there. It's not checkers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one place where you won't be lied to is with your first purchase home field apparel. There's 15% <laughs> off with the promo code campus number two can to get your home field apparel. This is going to be retro vintage athletic gear from your favorite universities, not just football, but any other sport that you want. Go ahead and grab yourself 15% off with the promo code campus number two can the utmost quality. But speaking of quality, Corey, I actually had a good idea. Uh, and I hope the people over at Homefield Apparel are taking notes for this. They do mystery boxes. What if they did a mystery box with the quality? Dude, like you get a t-shirt and it's like Fruit of Loom Hanes. And then like your buddy next to you gets a box and it's like Nike quality polo. That would, that, well, that would, that would just be upsetting. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't high quality stuff. You'd be like, this is amazing. I got this for 20 bucks. This is like $80 in stores. Your, ch- your chance at the high stuff, I guess. Yeah. And then maybe the floor is still kind of acceptable because the price isn't so bad. Right. So that, yeah, if they, they include a quality mixture. That wouldn't be so And bad. the bad quality stuff, they throw in like an extra 10% coupon code. Like they know you're going to, they know Austin yeah. Ace is going to be back with that 10% coupon code. <laughs> we, we need house shirts too, man. We got to walk around the house with something. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be cool. <laughs> Uh, hey, you ready for our player profiles? Let's do it. All right. So we are, again, starting off at the top for our NFL draft. We're starting off with the more popular names. Uh, so Debbie community is going to be very familiar with these names, uh, the Dynasty crowd, or even just, you know, regular NFL fans. It's a little bit new to you. But we're going to start off with the QBs of Caleb Williams and Drake May. Starting off with Mr. Caleb Williams, six foot one, 215 pounds. Started his career off at Oklahoma. He was... Actually, I'm going to go off to high school. We never thought it was going to be a good high school crew with a 59% completion rate. That really wasn't no. talked about by us as a company. Comes in for relief of Spencer Rattler for like a come-behind victory. Like, what was it, 28 points against – was it against Texas? It was against somebody. That was big. Anyway, comes behind from Oklahoma, takes over kind of Spencer Rattler's job, who was a very high prestigious talked-about QB. Still is talked about, honestly, and he's coming out to this draft too. Um, follows over Lincoln Riley over to USC – Puts up video game numbers every single year, pretty much. Uh, obviously, USC had a little bit of a black mark. I know some fans are pretty mad about their 7-5 and five season. Not that Caleb's in charge of the defense, so you guys really <laughs> need to get over that. But <laughs> um, some of the best improvision skills you can probably find out there, a lot of like Patrick Mahomes cons because of that skill set. And that's going to be like your high-end trade you're going to hold on to. And that's why everyone's so cons- like 
so locked in. This guy's the 101 because that's like sixth sense type instinctual stuff that you just can't teach. So it, what do you like about Caleb Williams' games, Corey? Yeah, and this is a guy, you know, we, we've got a long time throughout this offseason. People are going to be looking at him, pick him over with a fine-tooth comb and really find a lot, of, a lot of faults that probably don't need to be talked about so much. He really has a lot of the things that I think that you're going to look for in a, in a potential franchise quarterback going to the next level. You know, uh, from the elite arm talent, you know, that's derived from uh, some of the touch that he has, the accuracy, um, you know, the arm strength at all three levels of the field with like those different trajectories and like the ability to go like off platform and still get it to where it needs to be. Um, you know, I, he essentially has everything that you could want, I think, from from an arm talent uh, perspective. Um, and, you know, some of the stuff that he that he the, that he does when the play breaks down. I mean, like I, w- I was watching tape. I, I made a note here of a play that he made versus Washington this year. Um, it's either, you know, I don't know if it's a fake run or if it's a designed run or whatever, but it's not there. He does a 100, 180 degree turn looks the other direction, makes a split second decision to throw this deep comeback route in the end zone um, before the guy's even broken on his route at all uh, and hits him for a touchdown. It's very good reaction time, very good ad lib ability. Um, I will just say some of that ability now comes with, in my opinion, like a bit of a double-edged sword. Sometimes you have to live and die by these types that like to hold on to the, on, onto the ball forever. And that is something that Caleb likes to do. Has one of the higher times to throw in all of college football over the past two years, mostly because, you know, he's a guy who probably feels like he can get away with, with a lot of everything and, and make a play happen even when it breaks down, right? It's led to a pretty high sack rate over the past two years. It's also led to 31 fumbles over his, his three-year career, including 16 just last year alone. So there's going to have to be an element, I think, of him speeding up that internal clock at the next level, learning he can't be kind of Houdini on everything, you know, take your check downs, uh, live to see another play, you know. Um, so he can, he can really make some amazing things happen. It's also led to some poor decisions, but, you know, all in all, a fairly elite looking profile for a quarterback. I'm not sure if I'm going to call it generational, but to me, it is elite, has enough rushing ability to make a difference at the next level. To me, still probably closer to like a Jalen Hurts type. As a rusher, then you're like Kyler Lamar type as a rusher, but you know has all the tools you want in a dynamic quarterback. But um, I, I know that we both failed to mention here uh, a little bit of the attitude problems that have come up from from the from most. Well, I was going to bring it up, believe it or not. I, I was. I, I, I'll kick it to you then. <laughs> you can kind of you can kind of get into it, some of the attitude problems and, and how that how that how you kind of see if that changes his profile a little bit for you. Yeah, so he's he's got some off field stuff. This isn't like drugs or like the car issues you see out of georgia this is like he's he writes like you know he paints his nails as like f like utah and like stuff like that to get the fans riled up he does that type of stuff even his like post game interviews have been a little bit yeah uh, borderline arrogance uh, on a few questions seems like an entitled child like that's kind of like what he seems like <laughs> yeah yeah and and st- making statements like he wants ownership in an nfl team when he gets in there like really getting ahead of himself there on that too he some people don't like the crying on the sidelines. I don't think I really care too much about that. I think Corey doesn't like that, but I, I think some people don't like that. Uh, he was crying on the sidelines. He also, when Max Duggan went to the national championship last year and Max Duggan was crying when they lost, like it's, it's a, it's a huge life moment to even get that far, but to like mm-hmm. have a life goal, just slip your grasp like that. It's tough. And it's, I can't fall anyone for getting emotional during that, but he goes and quote tweets it and saying, LOL, like on Twitter. So it's, there's a, there's definitely immaturity here, which I mm-hmm. think might be an issue with leadership. And I think teams might view that too as well. Um, so I think that's not really like we make jokes for people to be like, oh, yeah, he's a good locker room guy. I don't think Caleb Williams is a good locker room guy. And I don't yeah. think he's going to be perceived that way coming in, uh, at least. So 
that's that's also going to be a part of his profile. I mean, these are all like little nitpicky stuff, but this, we're talking yeah. about the potential one-on-one in the NFL draft. I mean, I feel, I feel like that's all you're going to hear about is the nitpicky stuff now going forward because we know he's good at so many things. It's like, where do, where can we find now that he, that bugs us about him that might not translate to the next level? And there is an aspect of that. Like, is he a great leader? Is he going to be able to lead everybody? If he himself is being a hypocrite or, you know, crying behind the scenes or whatever, or being a little bit of a baby when he's not getting his way. Like, and some of this stuff, you know, like, I think it's fair to say we're, we don't know hundred percent of all of this stuff is, is true. You know, the not wanting to even enter the draft or the bears have the pick. I don't want to play for the bears. You know, I want, I want stake ownership in the team, blah, blah, blah. I, We don't know if any of that is really true, but the fact is it's still coming out. I still, I just think there's an element that we propped this kid up so much over his career, over the past like three years, ever since he came in for Rattler, that it has probably gone to his head a little bit like that. And sometimes, you know, it, that, that happens. Hopefully he can kind of rein that in as he goes to the next level. And, you know, hopefully he gets to, to the right situation where they're going to kind of rein that in for him and not, not let it get so much to his head. And, you know, I don't know if the Bears is going to be that situation. Like we've talked about it a lot with Justin Fields, that he hasn't necessarily gotten the right treatment there as well. But uh, we'll see what happens for him at the next level. He definitely has all the tools in his arsenal. And he's the quarterback one for me. I'm still holding him as quarterback one um, in this draft. I don't know if you are you still holding him as quarterback one uh yeah yeah that would be the smart yeah. pick was to make him the one the intangibles are just kind of too too tantalizing to let go um yeah. i do also yeah. want to say this too like his supporting cast wasn't good i know Corey kind of went on all the mistakes and the faults because we're again we're looking at the negatives we're talking about the number one overall pick potentially yeah but his supporting class wasn't good like unc's offensive line like crumbled so fast like a wet napkin like it's yeah it's it's bad. And then, like, even his pass catchers, too. Like, we love the trio of freshmen, but they're freshmen. Like, you can't really expect too much out of them. And then, like, his best bet was probably, like, Brandon Rice, who me and Corey have been fans of. But I don't think Corey and I think, you know, like, ceiling, best-case scenario, fringe day two guy, but probably most likely early day three. Like, he's not, like, a top talent yeah. either. So Like, he'll so be lucky to guys, get, like, a Gabe Davis trajectory, if, if, if anything, for himself. Like, that'll that'll yeah, be his trajectory next level. Good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, anyway, so, like, I, I wanted to give him some – uh some some I don't know, some credit because it's not like he, he has to hold on to these balls sometimes like too long to wait for his guys to get open like i feel like i don't blame yeah. him fully for it. it's not like his guys were wide open down there and if you actually do look at like some of like lincoln riley's quarterbacks in the past this all seems to be a little bit of an issue and let's not uh, like he is like probably the worst in a two-year span so there is some like legitimacy to it but like you know kyler even was running around doing it baker was doing, baker was sacked 40 times in his freshman in his freshman year like uh, Jalen Hurts, who's even sacked a little bit. So, I mean, like, it's part of it, I think, is part of this offense as well. But it is notable, at least, that he's kind of been the worst at it through like, the, these last two years. Yeah. I also was planning on pointing out the fumbles. I can't believe you caught that, the 16 fumbles this year. Doubled yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, it's quite a bit. It's it's a lot, man. And I did go back to look at Kyler because I was like, was this an issue with Kyler or the fumbles? Kyler only had three fumbles. Yeah, yeah. So that's interesting as well. Not exactly. You don't want your dual threat quarterbacks fumbling the ball. <laughs> no. Yeah. Sure. Maybe he's, I'm interested. I'm almost interested in that hand size. Maybe he's going to have maybe with small hands, <laughs> yeah. those small painted fingers. Can you pick it all over again? Yeah. Uh, you ready to move on to the next one? Let's do it. All right. Drake may six foot four, 230 pounds. Uh, UNC just lied about the Walker. So I wonder if Drake may comes in at six, three, I think he's legit six, four though. Um, yeah, he's, he's a sturdy build guy, anyways. Like you know, sturdy build, yeah, size. yeah. Uh, also, lack of supporting cast. But last year, as a sophomore, four thousand two hundred ninety-three passing yards, thirty-seven touchdowns, seven interceptions. That is like really insane. And this year, definitely decreased three thousand six hundred passing yards for twenty-four touchdowns and nine interceptions. 
the supporting cast got worse. The offense went through a change with a new OC. Uh, Phil Longo left to go run the Darien Raid over at Wisconsin, and they got the names escaping me, but I know we all don't like the new offense and the offensive scheme they got there. Tez Walker was Maryland, right? Yeah, I can't remember his name. Yeah. No, Gat. I think no. No, yeah, I don't know. Um, Sorry. Gaddis is up there in Maryland. <laughs> I don't know who left Maryland. Uh, anyway, uh, they didn't have Devontae Walker the first half of the year, and it was actually probably some of the best football I've seen Drake may play. Like playing beating South Carolina, App State was like an absolute banger in Minnesota, Pittsburgh. And again, another terrible supporting cast offensive line. It's just been terrible at UNC. And Corey and I have Corey for sure, like for the last two weeks, making jokes like UNC is going to be like a four and eight team next year. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it might be yeah. bad. It might be really bad. <laughs> I do think, um, Drake may kind of like played pretty bad down the stretch here. I thought Clemson, NC State, definitely Clemson was like a pretty bad game for him uh, with just these better defenses and maybe just, I don't know if he cared less, but like he just looked much different. Sorry, let me get back on this. Drake May, though, I think is the most complete running back. He can operate in structure far better than Caleb. I, I just think he can do that better, can run up a game plan a little bit more, but also offers improvision skills that of like an NFL level, not like the Mahomes, Kyler, Lincoln Riley tree of improvisers that he creates. But, like, good enough. Uh, the common comp is, like, Justin Herbert. I think the arm talent is there. I'm talking about the ball placement and the arm strength together combined. I think that's all there. He doesn't throw a lot of turnover-worthy throws either. 10 on the year total for a 1.9%. It's one of the lowest coming out. And I think he's also really good at keeping those eyes downfield, not just looking for the short pass. But he's a very good processor. It's hard for me to poke holes in this game outside of, like, just terrible gameplays overall. But it's also, like, you look at a supporting cast, and you're like, well, it's a little bit understandable. Yeah, and if you're comparing like the the arm talent a little bit, it's maybe not as flashy as somebody like a like a Caleb Williams, but he can still do all those throws that you want to see. You know, the layered touch throws uh, gets a lot of zip from that quick release that he has, which is something you like to see. Um, even you know, you pop on like the highlight tape from him, you see a bunch of these throws he made. Defenders hanging off of him, like him falling to the ground, still finding a way to make it happen. Those improvisational skills that we like to see, almost like. Like, I don't want to say compare him to like Josh Allen, but the way Josh Allen can make these throws with like still keeping his feet underneath him with like defenders hanging all over him. Love to see that kind of stuff from him. Good pro- pocket presence as well. There is a slight tendency, I think, there to back up at times and throw off the back foot. It's not all the time, but it is something I've seen on occasion from him. Um, but he still has really good escapability as a rusher. Over 1,100 yards on the ground the past two seasons. Over 1,300 if you you know look on PFF where they don't ding you for uh, that sack yardage. Um, but it does lead me to May sack totals as well over the past two years, which have been on the higher side. Um, 29 sacks this past year, which was better than the 38 he had as a, as a freshman, which is unlike Caleb in the sense because Caleb actually got worse in his second season as a full-time starter were. Um, and it hasn't led to some of the same like ball security issues. Like Drake Mays only had eight fumbles in his entire career, you know, where, where like we mentioned with Caleb has had like the 16 just last year alone, but, but still, I still think May internal clock could use a little bit of speeding up at the next level, but like, you know, even to me, he's been a fairly consistent player. I know you mentioned the slight dip in, in raw statistics, um, but that those raw statistics, if you take away some of the bowl game, he's still only threw for like 200 yards less, still only threw for like a, you know, a handful of touchdowns less or whatever. So that was all despite, you know, even UNC losing very well-respected uh, offensive coordinator in Longo stud wide receiver and Josh Downs, um, Wide receiver one had eligibility issues all year, uh, rotating door at the wide receiver position in, in general with some of the health and, and Drake may was still Drake may, you know, like it's more, it's more narrative driven this part of it, but it's like, we've always say, we like to see a quarterback that raises the play of the guys around him. Uh, no matter who you put 
uh, around him, you know, not necessarily the other way around, you know, only being able to perform with the good weapons around him. He was still able to do that despite a lot of the ongoing changes in his situation. So like we were talking about great size, great sturdy build. I love that quick release as well. Um, so he's a nice player that I think has a lot of avenues to success at the next level. So he's still my quarterback too, as well, even though I do think, you know, we'll get to Jane Daniels another day that I think there's some aspects of his game that might fit to a fantasy aspect more so, but I still like Drake May as quarterback too here. Yeah. I, I just want to include too Drake May, like the, the, the games I had dips, I, I, I think it was cause like his receiver core is locked up Miami, NC state and like Clemson. I actually do think the three best secondaries and those were his three worst games. Yeah. against those teams just hold on to the ball a little bit too long and you mentioned the um sack rate i do want to mention this just because sam Howell was a like heart highly regarded qb coming out he would end up being a fifth round pick there was word about shoulder issues so i don't know some people want to say he would have been a first rounder but sam Howell, when he was here sam Howell's sack rate was much much higher like 49 sacks 33 sacks 37 sacks like yeah, sam Howell's. Drake May is still an upgrade over Sam, what Sam Howell was as far as like dealing with pressure in the system. Because I remember Sam Howell was just getting destroyed all the time. Like just yeah, wasn't yeah. holding on to the ball. And I'm trying to say like that's what Drake May does too. He also holds on to the ball a little bit too long. It'll be something he learns at the pro level. I think that's definitely I yeah. feel like everyone learns to throw away the ball a little bit more at the NFL level. Uh does that wrap up uh Drake May and Caleb Williams for you? Yeah, I think so. Yep. All right. Let's head on over to our mock draft. Aaron will now be joining us. Part of the Devi crew, new to the team. We've had him on a show in the past. He's about to help us out with our very first Devi guide. Uh, me and Corey are most excited about that. That's for certain. <laughs> How you doing, Aaron? Hey, I'm doing really well, guys. Thanks for having me and excited for this mock tonight. Absolutely. And we blessed him with the first overall pick, which really wasn't a blessing because I didn't want to decide who to take first. So very appreciative. That okay, well, hold on. okay, well, hold on. Let's, let's tell the people what kind of mock we're doing here. We're this giving, is a Devi mock draft. Super yeah, flex, we're trying out our new team. rankings. We're yes. trying out our yes. So our None first of, time doing a mock draft. Twenty twenty four classes out. They're gone. Yeah, we're including freshmen in this. Um, and honestly, you know this is a Devi mock, but you know this is on the campus to can feed. And I really do feel like this is probably how those drafts should go. The first couple rounds, anyway, should be Devi heavy all the time. <laughs> but Aaron, please give us the one hundred and one. And I will be honest, this was a very tough decision. So you guys did not give me an, an easy slot to pick here. <laughs> and I, I could have won, I think, four different ways, honestly. So I'm not going to spoil all the guys I considered. I'll just give you the guy I selected, and that's Travion Henderson, running back, Ohio State. And, you know, maybe a controversial pick in some ways, just because, A, it's running back, and we know the running back landscape. Uh, but I just love the athleticism. The guy is is at a solid size, a great athlete. And it's actually in some ways kind of nice that he's getting Judkins coming in there to kind of spell him. He doesn't have to be that sole guy. He doesn't have to rack up a ton of usage there. Uh, we know Ohio state's loaded this next season. I mean, they keep getting recruits and commits and transfers. It's amazing what they're going to do as a team. And he's going to be, you know, a, a center point. He's going to be definitely a focal point to that offense. So I am excited to draft Travion Henderson. I don't know if I would take him one-on-one in, in most drafts if I had to redo it, but mm. that's the direction I went in this one. Yeah, I don't think it's a bad pick. I think if he's going to be my running back one right now, uh, currently as well, headed into uh, 2024 here. And I think he does a lot of things that the NFL is going to like. I guess I, I am kind of curious how this mix is going to work with Judkins. Like, what if Judkins ends up like completely overshadowing him or looking better? Or it could even happen the other way and Trevion ends up looking like the better guy. So that is adding a little bit of like mystique to it. I, I think I would 
without even saying any names. I think I do like the wide receivers a little bit early, especially with the way like running back kind of devalued. But at the same time, it's like they're so scarce. Sometimes you just want to go to the one you really believe in. So I get it. I still think, I think the way we started this with the first four picks is probably the first four guys that should be taken. Yeah, and you know, if Jukins comes out and it's the actual running back over Henderson, Jukins is going to be like the running back killer. Zach Evans. Yeah, Yeah, that's how he's going to be known. So I took over the 102 here, and I'm going to go with my wide receiver one currently uh, above my rankings, and that's Luther Burden out of Mizzou. Um, You know, we all love this guy coming out, especially for that easy yak ability that he has, you know, just get the ball in his hands, let him do his work. And we saw a lot of that as a freshman, but we wanted him to develop a little more going into his second year. And, you know, maybe another step from Brady Cook quarterback there also helped here a little bit as well. But Luther Burden really broke out this past year and we got to see a little bit more usage downfield, like intermediate routes, deeper routes, and still a lot of those manufactured touches as well, which I believe is the kind of player he's going to be at the next level. Like my comparison that I've always ran with is DJ Moore. And I think that's really the kind of player that he can be at the next level, you know, similar build i think he's going to have that great yak ability where he's going to be a quarterback's best friend get the ball in his hands let him do his work and then he still has that ability to help you at all three levels of the field as well um so luther burden here is uh my wide receiver one getting taken here at 1.2 are you like concerned with him translating over to the nfl at all not at all. Like, I mean, you know me, you, you know, you've known us from our drafts yeah. anyways, and I'm a big fan of those yak ability guys. And I think they make it easy at the next level. I mean, I think there's at least a floor there that you can expect at the next level because you know, they're going to excel in those ways. The bigger question is, can they develop more of the downfield threat? Can they be used in that ways? I think we saw flashes of that last year. I'm still hoping for like more flashes this year and more development in that field. I, I do like it a lot here. Aaron, do you have anything to talk about uh, with Luther Burden? I mean, like you were saying, floor-wise, guys that come to mind, I mean, even like a Curtis Samuel, I suppose that could be the floor. Or I've used the comp of, of Debo Samuel, honestly. Yeah. I think that there's some similarities there. Not saying that Burden will be that kind of rusher by any means. I mean, what Debo has done is pretty special. But just a couple of examples of, of what the floor is if he's not this great down-the-field threat. Um, but he does need to take another step development-wise. So obviously there is a bit of risk with him. But, I mean, at, at the end of the day, great treats, like you said. Big fan here. At the 103, I was <clears throat> very relieved that I got Evan Stewart here. Uh, I also do like Luther Burden. I have a hard time deciding which one is better. In my rankings right now that we Corey mentioned, I believe you mentioned, I hope it wasn't backstage, that we did do a little bit of an overhaul of our rankings recently. And I decided to have Luther Burden wires here one over, over Evan Stewart. Very different skill sets. Uh, Burden's mm-hmm. definitely more of a yak guy, more of a, a, a like an elite manufacturer touch type of player, I think, too. Um, he can run routes. It's just he's not a route runner. He's not a manipulator. I think Evan Stewart's an actual manipulator, and, and we'll get Garrett Wilson comps this year all year, and I think it's going to be deserved. The reason why I settled on Burden being higher is because he doesn't have an injury history. I don't know. That, that was kind of a cheap way to go, but uh, Evan Stewart is a little bit fragile. It does kind of get banged up. Goes to a new system, but none of us really worried about it. But uh, I think both these guys are, are wins. They're home runs. I feel pretty good about both of them. Yeah, it's really the type of player here, I think, too. This is these are two different two different skill sets. And Evan Stewart's definitely more that refined type. He's will he wins at the catch point as well. He's made some of those tremendous catches, like Garrett Wilson did early in his career, too. Like when he was like freshman and he was like sophomore. Sometimes he was making his money on like those big jump catches in the end zone. Like I thought he was gonna jump like a 40 inch vert. He didn't, but still he you saw the springiness there. You saw some of that, some of those skills there. I think Evan Stewart has that even though he's a smaller size, and I think he does have the ability 
to become like all, like all the tools necessary to become an elite separator at the next level. I still I still think he needs some work too and in a lot more refinement as well as a route runner and because we haven't seen a lot because there has been some injuries too, but I still think he has all the necessary tools there. Yeah, I, I think that's a good point. And I guess just to piggyback off of of that, like you said, there's some things that he still needs to put together, right? He needs to be fully healthy in a season. He needs yeah. to fully break out and sustain that um, in a new system. But we know that system's going to be pretty friendly there. And maybe I'll just go right into my next pick here. But 104, Tet McMillan, wide receiver for Arizona, is staying there too. He's not transferring out. And I actually think that out of all the wide receivers, he has the least least risk um, at this time, just because, I mean, he's he's still paired with his quarterback and he flourished this last year. And he flourished the year before that, even with a different quarterback. Um, I know the system might be changing somewhat, but I think it's very important that we don't overlook the chemistry there. That's a, that's a huge piece. And the fact that he's already done it, he's done what we want to see from a Luther burden. He he's done what we want to see from an Evan Stewart. You could say what you want about pack 12, but the guy has been dominant. So Ted McMillan was for me, just a very, um, confident 104 selection. Yeah, I love I love the pick early in his career. I think more so after his freshman season. Me and Mike were a little bit concerned that he might be a little bit more of a possession wide receiver. Like there wasn't always a ton of of uh, separation there. Do you have any concerns about like his archetype kind of translating to the next level, or at least translating in terms of Debbie? Like even a guy like. You know, I'm not saying he's Mike Williams at all, but even a guy who's kind of in that archetype where he's more possession and more, they go up and down, right? They're kind of up and down fantasy assets. Do you have any concerns about him at the next level being like a consistent producer? Yeah, that's a valid point. I just think that he consistently was able to do what he needed to do, whether at times that was, you know, playing that contested catch ball. He still is a good enough athlete where I don't have any concerns mm. about that, that testing. And at the end of the day, I mean, the guy went from, like 18 yards per reception and 700 receiving yards as a true freshman to 1400 receiving yards this last season. Yeah. I mean, th the guy just consistently wins and I get maybe some of the, the knocks on the defenses he was playing and whatnot. But I think, you know, as a high end recruit coming out there, there was a lot of hype saying that he was a good athlete. I, I don't think he's done anything on the field to make us question that he's going to be a good enough one um, for the NFL. He actually, he actually changed my mind a little bit this, like watching him this year. Actually, I, he was a way more fluid mover than I gave him credit for. Like, and he's actually like gaining separation, like maybe not so much always at the catch point, but after the play, it's he, he seems to have some speed to at least get some separation on some guys. So I'm actually, uh, I was actually, um, I'm on board with this pick actually. Like maybe I didn't make it sound like it before, but I am actually very on board with this pick. He'd be right there for me as well. Um, I guess I'll go on to my 1.5 here. Uh, going to head back to the running back ranks and going to head right back to Ohio state with the guy that just went there this year. The guy that we saw kill off uh, Zach Evans last year at Ole Miss guy who had a little bit of, of uh, rumors of being a little bit of a, a locker room drama, a little bit of um, a headache in the huddle as well. But I don't know if any of that's true. I don't know what, if that's actually something we have to incorporate into his profile, but regardless, the talent is something that we can't ignore. And he performs against the toughest competition. Um, he had a, a little bit of a weaker year last year than the year before, but now he's going to Ohio State where everything's going to kind of be in his favor. Um, he's going to have the passing game around him to take the pressure off. Um, it is going to be kind of a weird split that I want to see how it kind of works going forward, but I really have no doubts about him transferring to the next level. Um, 105 here, taking another running back off the board, and I I'm curious to see when we're going to see another one. Yeah, I think 
Corey tried to downplay the rock locker room issues that came to light recently. I, I think they're pretty well, they're rumors though. We don't know what's true and what's not. Lane Kiffin I mean, subtweeting him. I mean, I don't know. They could be salty because he left though. All right. I mean, I I don't really know. I don't know Lane on like a friendship level, so I can't really. Yeah, just send him a DM. We'll get Chris to send him. <laughs> <laughs> nice pick there. That, that's probably what I would have done at this point. And in fact, I feel bad for Mike here because I think that, and for maybe all the listeners out there, if you're not picking in that in that top five, like if you're in a league in a startup, it's like, ah, oh gosh, it kind of drops off. At least in my opinion, a little bit after um, the top five picks. There is yeah, one that uh, there is one that he might have forgot here though, but we'll get. To I that. did, I did, yeah. I was actively <laughs> working my rankings while we were doing this draft, and I literally let up, left off a guy off my entire like Excel spreadsheet that I was working off of. Uh, so that was eye opening. But at the one hundred and six, <laughs> without too much remorse, without too much remorse, I took Carnell T. Why is he from Ohio State? At the one hundred and six here. Uh, he's he's been all the rage since the spring, right? He was the fastest like player to lose his black stripe. Didn't disappoint the spring game. The Taza reports came through during the summer. He got on the field early, uh, like week one early. And it's all action. I, I want to say actually every single week, he caught at least one ball. Wasn't really a starter ever. He started, started actually as in, in the bowl game, which was, you know, not great. We just got to see, um, who are the quarterbacks that we don't care about anymore? Lincoln Kineholes and, um, Devin Brown. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but he did start. He got four targets there. It wasn't really too fruitful. But beautiful year one zero moles. But I was like watching this tape, and actually is the very first profile I wrote for the Debbie guide. And I was seeing like already nuanced route running, like a lot of manipulation, not only just like feet, but like also with the head too. And I was pretty excited about that. And I thought his high school profile was a little bit hard because he goes to IMG Academy. They run like a pro style offense. They really weren't asking to do a lot of manipulation stuff. But we got to see really good hands there. And even as a true freshman, like he, he, his thumbs are together. Like he's got good hands. He's got really good technique. I think he's going to slide in just fine here at Ohio State. I think he's going to be an absolute stud. So I, I, he's my archer one for his class. Not saying he has the highest ceiling, but he definitely has the safest path to me as of today. Yeah, no, no complaints at all with that pick. I mean, well, actually, we'll, we'll, we'll maybe, you know, go go to the <laughs> next uh, guy that I got here. Um, and it's a Mecca Buka, uh, Ohio State wide receiver, another one. And for me, I just think that Mecca has done more to this point. And unfortunately, you know, he's just coming off of this injured season. And yeah. it, it's really, it was a huge bummer, right? This, this whole season, it was frustrating to see both the quarterback play, which brought down even Marvin Harrison Jr.'s um, statistics. And then also Mecca just really not being healthy the whole entire year. And when he was somewhat healthy, just not really utilized in a way that was to his best benefit. So I am excited to see him now that Harrison Jr. is gone at Ohio State. And, and finally, Mecca can get back to being healthy where he was essentially matching some of the things that Marvin Harrison Jr. was doing the, the year prior. So I'm just really excited to potentially get maybe the like the wide receiver, you know, like a top three wide receiver in this upcoming class. I, I feel pretty good about saying Abuka um, will likely end up there. Yeah, I think in all fairness, I think Mike would have made this pick here at 106 at least. I don't. Can I speak for you there, Mike? Yeah, you can. You can go ahead. Yeah, so he he probably would have taken the egg buku there at at one hundred six. Again, a very very uh, um, offense friendly player as well. I, I've related him to Chris Godwin before, where I think he can go inside, he can go outside. He's got a similar build uh, to to Godwin as well. And I think he can be like a quarterback's best friend. I also think that he can do like 
many other things as well. He's just a very well-rounded player that I think is going to make an offense very happy at the next level. Um, at 1.8, um, I had a very hard time. I was in between two players, and I was lucky enough to get my the player I was in between with at my next pick, so I, I ended up being happy with that. But I ended up going with the first quarterback of the draft, which has been a big question, I think. You know, with Debbie Mark Mox kind of starting this year, it seems like everybody's got a different quarterback one right now. Um, and they're all over the place where they're getting taken. Like I, I even finished one where their first quarterback didn't even get taken to the second round. Um, so I'm, I, I felt okay doing it here at the one Oh eight. And I went with my cur- current quarterback one in Connor Wegman. Oh uh, yeah. I thought he looked um, really good to start the, to start the year last year through eight touchdowns to interception in the four games he played. It was really only like the three, cause he got hurt in the fourth game pretty early um, over 330 passing yards in two of those three games, only one game lower than a double digit eight odd as well. So you like to see that he wasn't just, you know, dunk, did, um, dunking it off or, or dropping it off in the backfield. Like he was hitting all multiple levels of the field has the size, has the arm you want. I think the one question that uh, I'm going to have is we never really got to see him do like sec play. He did demolish uh, Ole Miss in his first year in his freshman season, over 300 passing yards, four touchdowns and no picks, but still very small sample size at this point to what he looks like against a little bit of tougher competition. Um, um, which is kind of the theme right now for the top Debbie quarterbacks in this class right now. So um, we just got to see how he's going to play. And, you know, we also have to see how he's going to do now without his safety blanket in Evan Stewart. Like I know I remember Evan Stewart first two games of last year was what, like almost had like 300 yards receiving, you know, he had that security blanket there. So we're going to have to see how the weapons develop around him, but him as a player, I have confidence that he's going to raise the guys around him. And that's something that me and Mike earlier in the show talked about uh, Drake may, how he kind of did that for UNC this year, raising the weapons around him when they were kind of gone and eligibility issues and whatever. I have a feeling Connor Wegman kind of do some of those things this year. So I'm eager to watch him this year. And he, he's entering the season as my quarterback one right now. Is there top returning player, Noah Thomas for wide receiver? They had a guy blow know. up in the bowl game too, but I can't remember his name right now. Jade Walker is the returning receiver. Yeah, that, that's the guy we highlighted after the bowl game, actually, that I was wondering if there was anything there. It might be somebody worth taking a look at. Moose Muhammad had some love at some point, but he's not doing anything anymore. And then, yeah, Noah Thomas, who was often injured or dealing with something, couldn't really stay consistently on the field. So, yeah, somebody's going to have to step up here. That's for sure. At the 109, I also went the theme of quarterback here. I took – uh, Nico Amalieva, the Tennessee true freshman quarterback. Uh, I do want to make this note. It's just an audible note. <laughs> I've been hearing people call it uh, Iamali Ava instead of Ava. So uh, we got to figure that out. But uh, Nico Amalieva, QB for Tennessee, six foot five, like 200. We call him Slenderman, but played against Iowa in his bowl game. I think it was like for 152 yards and two touchdowns. Like if you look from a box score perspective, it looks like really modest. But like an Iowa defense is tough. They have t- multiple draft round picks, even like not just their starters, but like, you know, they develop defensive players too for the draft. So having him be successful in that was like a very big thing too. So I don't want to undercut that. He looked good. He looked comfortable. So we're all pretty excited about the future there for Tennessee. I don't really have much more else to say. I pedigree guy, love the arm talent. Can't wait to see it actually on tape. I got like a full season of it. Pretty pumped about it. Yeah. And it's a nice pick. I mean, Nico's a lot of fun. It's it's a bit of a projection, like Corey said. Um, but I mean, even Wigman is, right? All these quarterbacks yeah. are at this point. So um, I will go ahead with my 110 here. And I did not go back to the well with quarterback. Um, I selected a running back here, Trevor Etienne, who is heading mm-hmm. from Florida over to Georgia. Yes. And I anticipate him being the lead back there, or at least the most efficient and effective back. Now, they might split touches. I'm fine with that, but showing some things that maybe 
we haven't seen in recent years. So, I mean, Dewan Edwards and Kendall Milton and those guys, like they're fine, right? They're good functional college backs, but they're, they're maybe not quite as explosive, not quite the game breaking ability that Trevor Etienne has. And unfortunately, I mean, he's been stuck at Florida where, I mean, Napier wants to run that running back by committee, even though ETN was the best back there. Um, I really think that he's a capable receiving back as well. So he's able to play on all three downs. He's a, a great size. He was a solid recruit. He's got a lot of things going for him, including his brother, who has been a starter for multiple years and a good fantasy asset on the NFL side. So I think Trevor ETN here was, was somebody I was comfortable taking, but this is going to seem really high for some folks out there because I know this is not consensus by any means to see Trevor ETN in the first or the back end of the first. I don't know if you mentioned it, but uh, he is healthy, which is very big for the Georgia running backs. Um, I think this pick is kind of bold. I don't like, I don't hate it. I just, I think it's kind of bold. I, I didn't really, I didn't, I wasn't, um, I don't say I'm not a fan. I just wasn't like super sold on him in, in Florida doing a split backfield with Montreal Johnson. They both had like kind of similar efficiency numbers. And uh, it, I'm, I'm pretty excited about finding out more here. I, I felt like that whole class of running back, uh, like his, his 2025 class, these young guys, they're all like shown potential, but like still don't know what that ceiling is just yet. So I'm pretty pumped about that, especially with Georgia. So we'll get those answers soon. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what what he's going to do this year as well. Bold for sure, but again, got to project a little bit. And I, good, I like your good projection business there. move. Good yeah. business move by him too to do that. Yeah. So 111 here. I went to the guy that I was very much considering at 1.8, but I don't know. Just seeing the way that these kind of players are being used in the NFL now, I really think USC wide receiver Zachariah Branch uh, is going to translate really well and at least there's a floor there that i that i think uh that i'm pretty excited about you know broke all eight year one zero thresholds uh dynamic playmaker with the ball in his hands you know i'm still hoping to see some development within his route tree you know we tend to see that from these players that are like really dynamic with the ball in their hands but he's still easily the way he's the way he's so quick to twitch the way he has that speed he's he's one of the only players that I would consider on that Tyree kill. And then when Jalen Waddle was coming out, I put him on that spectrum as well. Um, that, that level of separator that can dominate the NFL level. I really think he can be that. We still need to see more development from him, but year one was very promising and I'm overly optimistic that he can reach the goals that I, that I see for him. Uh, last year, the only guy to complete all eight zero one zero was Luther Burton, who has just absolutely skyrocketed this year. Yeah. Uh, my like. I tried to preach not to be overly critical of, of true freshmen like across the board, uh, especially with wide receivers. You just want them to hit the year one zero mold. Uh, a lot of the stuff was close to the line of scrimmage. I don't really. Yeah. I thought his skill set was better than that. Like even watching him play, I was like, he can do more than what they're asking him. So maybe that's kind of a, a plus. Uh, so anyway, just wanted to say that I, I, I hope they let him open up a little bit, uh, but not the way they did our boy, Barry and Brown. They kind of did him a little bit dirty. <laughs> yeah. Way, way on but the I, other end of the spectrum. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Zachariah branch too. I mean, you mentioned Luther burden. It's that same deal. He needs to take that next step and yeah. be able to be a threat down the field, which I think he's capable of doing. If you look at his, his high school utilization in film, but yes, we need Lincoln Riley to kind of, you know, let, let, let's try to get him more involved all over that field. That's yeah. for sure. I think there's an element of like, you know, just getting a dynamic playmaker, easy touches within your offense that you have wide receivers you're very happy with, but still finding a way to get him on the field. And I think that's why you see him a lot in those, in those touches. I think this year, hopefully a more prominent role will mean a more prominent route tree for him. At the 112, 
and I'll go over these picks after my uh, well, after we're done talking about Cedric Baxter here or CJ Baxter. I'm not actually sure which way he wants to be called nowadays, but CJ Baxter was the RB one in the class for me. Continues to stay that way. Yes, over Justice Haynes. I'm sure we'll talk about here shortly. Uh, he didn't look bad. I don't, I'm not going to sit here and say he looked phenomenal either. Like there's some instant impact running backs like Quinshawn Judkins, for example, like he came on thousand yard rusher. And, and ever since then, like we'll never call him anything less than good. We're just trying to act like figure out how great he's going to be. Um, Baxter certainly did not come out blazing like that. I 139 carries for 665 yards, 4.8 yards per carry, five touchdowns, one interception. And like some of it was like, uh the fake tush push play which was like a 40 yard touchdown you know like some of it's like that like it's a little bit manufactured and certainly that helps pad his stats a little bit here but he started looking a lot more comfortable down the stretch here and i liked what i saw it's definitely a potential thing here for me and brooks is gone uh it's just gonna be him and Jadon blue I, I remember people talking about a possible like injury that was lingering there i have no news on that so just i'm doing that as a rumor um, but I, I, it's going to be his room to lose next year. I think he's going to be the main back, and then you have Jadon Blue being like the change of pace. But Shark has a 1,000-yard rusher every single season, and I think it's very easy to project that to be C.J. Baxter next year. Let me uh, go over the last 12 picks here. So 101 for our Debbie Mock draft here. Uh, Travion Henderson from Ohio State running back. Uh, Luther Burden, wide receiver at Missouri. Everton Stewart, wide receiver at Oregon. Congrats, Dan Laney. Uh, Tatera, I'm just going to call him Ted. I'm just going to mess that up. Ted McMillan <laughs> from Arizona, wide receiver, 644, big guy there. Another Ohio State running back in Quinshawn Judkins. Another Ohio State wide receiver, Carnell Tate. Another Ohio State wide receiver, Emeka Abuka at the 107. 108, Connor Wegman, quarterback from Texas A&M. Whole new system there. Very excited about that. Uh, 109, Nico Umalieva quarterback from Tennessee at the 110 Trevor Etienne Georgia running back coming over from Florida at the 111 Zachariah Branch wide receiver from USC and at the 112 CJ Baxter running back from Texas all right Aaron kick us off the second round pick at the 201 I select Justice Haynes Alabama running back we see that the upperclassmen at Alabama are now leaving this opens the opportunity for Justice Haynes. And I know Jamorian Miller's there. I want to give some respect to him because he is a solid back, but I think that Haynes is even better. And we saw Haynes be really efficient, really effective when he did get those opportunities this season. We were so excited about him in the spring, seeing all those flashes and, and that he was impressing in practice. And now he's going to get that opportunity with a, a fresh new coaching staff. So I'm, I'm not saying DeBoer is just going to, you know, toss out the whole idea of seniority and rewarding the guys who have stayed there. But at the same time, I mean, he's going to try to put the best players out there. He wants to win and probably a little bit less loyalty to some of those guys and some of the guys who have had to wait. Um, so they're doing things differently at Alabama. I think Haynes is going to be the best running back out of that room. And we still know that Alabama is going to have a nice offensive line. They're going to probably need to rely on the running game this season. And I think Haynes is the guy um, to benefit from that. And he's very capable in the receiving game, which could be a, a very lucrative thing with the DeBoer offense. We know that what Ronnie rivers, um, he had some really high end receiving um, seasons when he was coaching out there. So, I mean, I think that there's a potential benefit in, in PPR leagues if you're playing on the college side, plus obviously the NFL upside too. 
Yeah, and even looking at like the way he used Dylan Johnson last year, I would know, I would be happy with that if we could see that this year. Two hundred thirty-three carries, almost twelve hundred yards. He also had twenty-four receptions on the year for almost two hundred yards. Like, and that was a guy that was battling injury. Like, so depending on what you think of Dylan Johnson, like put Justin Haynes with all those touches and all that. And I know there wasn't much there at Washington. It's different defenses. I know that, but still, the overall usage and the intent of usage, while still throwing it. 500 times with uh, Penix and, and co over there as well too makes me at least optimistic for what justice Haynes can do this year. And yeah, I do think that he's probably the best back in that backfield. And to me, there was even times at least in, in part of the season, it felt like justice Haynes was already over Jamari and Miller. Like, I don't know if Jamari Miller was dealing with some injuries. I got to look more like whatever was going on with him this year, but I mean like wow. in, in, in important game, Hey, in important games in like <laughs> second quarter, I'm seeing justice Haynes come on the field before I'm seeing like Jamari Miller come on the field. So Part of me thinks that they were they're already kind of thinking this guy could be an essential part of this backfield going forward and, and giving more high value touches to him. Okay, first off, Jan Miller does not deserve the disrespect. All right. <laughs> I still don't know what to do with him. I almost put yeah. him down uh, at the bottom of the honorable honorable mentions group. Uh I'm actually really nervous about the future of Alabama running backs with Kalen DeBoer. I'm don't really ever find any of his running backs really to be that spectacular or developed. Um, even Dylan Johnson too, like running behind the Joe Moore award-winning offensive line. I thought he was pretty inefficient when I started watching his actual tape. I know he was hurt down the stretch, so I'm not really trying to pinpoint like the Michigan and Texas game. Like that shit would just be, that would be unfair. Uh, but I, I really was less, no one's trying to say Dylan Johnson's a stud, but like, so I'm not ever really arguing with it, but I, I really don't Dude, I'm just worried about what Kalen Boer is going to do with running back. So after Jam Miller, once I figure out what he is, and after Justice Haynes is gone, I don't think I'm going to be buying Alabama running backs anymore. I think I definitely think some of that is fair, but at least the usage he gave him did at least give me optimism that, that he could be used yeah. that way, especially if they land on him as their guy. But anyways, I'm going to keep this moving. 2.02. I think this is the, the pick I don't like the most of this whole draft. I think I could have waited longer on it. Um, I don't know if I rushed this pick or whatever, but we, we drafted this last week. So looking back at it now, I think I would have maybe taken him later, but I ended up going with Jonte Cook from Texas here at 2.2. Um, you know, a guy who broke two year one zero thresholds was reportedly being groomed for the Xavier worthy role coming into this year. But, you know, now they're bringing in Isaiah Bond, who's probably more well suited for that. You know, you know bring in uh, Matthew Golden, who's a bit of a wild card, can play inside and outside as well. But, you know, like maybe there's a realm where like Golden kind of moves inside and out and, you know, Cook plays outside when Golden is in. Then when Golden is outside, like maybe Silas Bolden also just joined this squad from the transfer portal as well. He's kind of a slot guy. So there's just it could really be a big rotation. Um, I just hope that they're going to find, you know, ways to get this guy in the field and get the ball in his hands. Cause I, I clearly think he's one of the most talented wide receivers in this room. He's the first Texas wide receiver that I'm drafting. So I think the upside is still high and maybe we got to wait a year until we can really see it flourish, but we're treating this as like a full Debbie draft, right? And I'm not so worried about the production in year one, if I really believe in the talent. So I'm still happy taking John T. Cook as a second round pick. And I still think that talent level is there, but I am disappointed that maybe he might not be looking at the role that I was hoping he was going to be uh, coming into in year two yeah i i think that jonte cook is a more nuanced player the more well-rounded wide receiver compared to golden or bond actually and i think that Jonte's no slouch in the athleticism department great recruit i liked him the most tape wise out of all the guys who are now at texas so i think that's a, a pretty exciting room they are bringing in some 
talented, I guess, wide receivers in that recruiting class though, as well. Like the freshmen coming in are, are no slouches either to Texas. So, I mean, it's going to be crowded. There's, there's certainly risk, like you guys said, but I still believe in Cook's talent. Yeah. This guy was a really hard guy for me to rank. Uh, I'm glad Corey picked him before I could. Uh, Texas threw for over 4,000 yards last year. And if we're going to simplify it and just ask ourselves, like just rank what, who's the most talented pass catchers at Texas today, Jonathan Cook's definitely not lower than wide receiver three. Uh, so I would assume it's going to be a rotation the way Corey said he's hoping it to be. Um, and I'm just kind of using that based off of that logic. I don't see a reason for him not to touch the field, but it is crowded. And then obviously um, we hate having to wait. Um, going over to the 203, I took the first true freshman of this draft. And I took Micah Hudson, wide receiver, going over to Texas Tech. Mm-hmm. A very odd landing spot, but he has ties to the school, was very vocal about support all the way through, and has been very committed. I believe, I haven't checked recently, but I believe he is the highest rated wide receiver by our recruiting team of all time. Uh, there's just so hard to poke holes in this game. And you just look at like Texas Tech and you're saying, like, well, who's throwing the ball? You know, uh, Kidley's offense coming over from WKU. I thought year one was successful. I thought year two was a pretty big disappointment. So I don't doubt he can get him back on track just based off of the year one success. He just has to find the right QBs. Um, but I think Michael Hudson is the most talented true freshman wide receiver coming out this year. And it's just it's a very easy projection. Yeah, I think he's a very well-rounded player, you know, four-year starter. He's a very versatile threat, too. Like, they would put him in the backfield. They would rush with him. They'd use him as receiver, slot, outside. Like, and and for a guy who's, like, not huge, like, I really did like his catching ability, like, at the catch point, like, like body contortion, body control. Like, I thought he showed a lot of that stuff. So, I agree, like, <clears throat> excuse me, I agree that he's in this top-tier of wide receivers. And, you know, he kind of started a trend here. We're each going to go with a wide receiver here, like next of, of the freshman here. And I definitely deserve, think he deserves to be in this tier one, but I don't know, maybe something doesn't stand out as much to me about him as maybe the other two guys we're about to get into talking about. Oh, so he's not your one. He's your three. Is that what you're trying he's to say? not my one. He's my three right now. Yeah. Interesting. I understand. I like all three of these guys coming up. I but... do. Yeah. It, it's splitting hairs. Really? It, it yeah. is splitting hairs. Yeah. Aaron, go ahead and give us your uh, two Oh four. There you go. And I like Micah Hudson, but he is the two, at least in this upcoming wide receiver class for me, because I have number one, Jeremiah Smith. And that's who I went with here at 204 in this mock. I just think that, I mean, what what is the track record with Texas Tech versus Ohio State wide receivers who are five-star <laughs> top guys in their class? And it's just like, I mean, Jeremiah Smith, he's just so well-rounded. And this is not a, a, a knock at all on, on Micah Hudson. This is more so just saying I, I loved Jeremiah Smith's game. I was going to select him regardless of if a freshman went ahead of him or not, um, if he was available. I think that Jeremiah Smith, I mean, the guy just does everything well. And his athleticism, even though he's like, like 214 pounds and six foot three he's built. I mean, he won the state title in the 110 and the 400 meter hurdles. And he was very good in some other races as well, like the 200 and 400 and he's hit over 21 miles per hour. I mean, Jeremiah Smith has a lot of the things that you want and he's also pretty refined with great ball skills. So it's not like he's some sort of just raw athlete either. So I I'm just quite high on him. I'm, I'm not the only one of course that is, but uh, for me here, that was a pretty fun selection. That's for sure. He, he's a great player. I, I think he's my one right now as well. I would like to answer the question of Texas Tech's history because I think Aaron forgot about Michael Crabtree. <laughs> Stud. That was the last time they had a high-ranking recruit. 
Crabtree. Crabtree. <laughs> <laughs> <Man>. <laughs> okay, yeah, at two hundred five, yeah, j- just to round out our our freshman wide receivers, and we can continue the conversation if anybody else has any more thoughts. I ended up going with Ryan Williams. You know, the guy who reclassified to this class. I think he's a perfect player for today's NFL. Like. Like, I think there's elements of Micah Hudson's game that I see in Ryan Williams, but I almost feel like he's more quick t- twitch and more explosive and maybe a little bit more raw, but he's like, has, you know, that explosive first step off the line. He's got that modern six, six foot, uh, could probably add a little bit more pounds, but around 165 pounds right now, but just the suddenness in which he plays to me jumps off the screen, how quickly he can gear down, change direction, those quick feet, like, he has all the tools to become an elite route runner, I think, as he continues to develop through his college. Like, ran a 10.4, 900-meter dash. Uh, we have him clocked at 21.6 miles per hour, so right up there, too. Uh, amassed almost 3,000 receiving yards over the past two years and just under 1,000 rushing yards. So, again, like a guy like Micah Hudson, who was taking snaps out of the backfield, gives you that extra dynamic in that offense as well. Um, I mean, 2022 alone accounted for 2,300 yards and 39 touchdowns in that one season. Alabama 6A competition. You know, he's supposed to be a guy that was in that 2025 recruiting class, but he reclassified this year. That's going to make him one of the youngest players in his class as well. So, a lot, again, a lot of untapped potential there so like we were talking about before he was supposed to go to bama he has reopened up his commitment after saban left looks like you know things are pointing to auburn but i don't we're not for sure on that yet he did he just took an official visit back to alabama um still hoping he can end up there with kaylin DeBoer's track record of what he can do with wide receivers on the offense there maybe he's looking at that and hopefully he gets his ass back in the door at alabama because i think there's a really strong chance for him to break year one zeros there as well so ryan williams here at 205 is my wide receiver two in this class right now yeah, he brought his whole family over with his last visit. Uh, we love that. I'm really hoping this is just a cash grab, you know, like new coach, he backs out. He's like, oh, you guys need to add some more money to this deal. Um, but I, I would also love for him to go back to healing the board. Love the skill set, too. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. He's, he's over, a lot of fun. Yeah. Heading over to the 206. I took Eugene Wilson the third wide receiver from Florida. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's... One of the more dynamic players we've seen come out as a freshman really wasn't talked about too much by me and Corey. That's for certain. I thought he was like, I don't know. Obviously, I have him on only one roster, but I had him like wide receiver 12 in this class. Um, and I definitely regret that. I think he's a very good route runner. Most of his stuff was close and yak and used close to line of scrimmage. And I think that's just how the system is at Florida. You know, it's Graham Mertz. You know, let's give him a little bit of a break. Graham Mertz has some limitations. Uh, so I'm hoping to see a little bit more opened up. Ricky Pearsall is gone. Ricky Pearsall played, I think, 50-50 wide and in the slot. I hope Eugene Wilson takes over that role as far as like usage goes. But he was extremely productive as a true freshman. And unlike Kobe Prentice, who is my like my fear of what he might be, because Kobe Prentice was a short area guy only, yak threat only type of guy, I do believe this is just a usage by the coach type of thing, not a skill set thing. So very excited for Eugene Wilson, and uh, I feel pretty safe about it too. Yeah, it was very promising to see him so involved as a freshman. And so for my next pick, 207, it's going to be Nick Singleton running back, uh, Penn State. And he's just he, – he's this tough eval right now where it's like the running – at least the system is just not really fitting what he, he best does as a running back. I mean, he's just so explosive that it's it's kind of hard to see him bottled up in this offense. And, I mean, Katron Allen, that's the argument is that, well, Allen's doing just fine there. Why is Singleton struggling so much? But um, not every player plays in the same way. And I think that coming out of high school, there was some rawness to Nick Singleton's um, game. And, I mean, his – 
system was very interesting in high school. It was basically just run him outside on a toss or sweep or, yeah. you know, just get him outside and let him run. And he's just, he's that size adjusted athlete that you, you love to see over 22 miles per hour as far as on the field speed. And he has enough size to be a workhorse. He just needs to put it together. And he has one more season at least to be able to prove that. So I just think at this point in the draft, you want to draft that elite upside. Like who's going to run a four, four at 200 and, almost 20 pounds. Like I think Nick Singleton's one of the rare guys who might be able to do that. So he really sticks out in that way. And hopefully he'll be, he'll, you know, show some additional steps of progressing as a runner this season. And he's also a capable pass catcher too. I mean, he's not a zero in the passing game by any means. Yeah. Hopefully to hoping to definitely see, you know, a better year this year, at least this year, there was, there were some rough times last year or, you know, maybe the rawness in that vision did come out a little bit. And, you know, maybe last year it was, it was being more explosive on that athleticism, but it just didn't really seem to come together the same ways this year. So I'm really hoping to see another step forward from here, heading over to my two Oh eight. I'm going back to the quarterback. Well, we haven't, we haven't taken many quarterbacks so far. I mean, in an actual draft, I think maybe more quarterbacks would go because a lot more different people. And maybe we feel like we got one already, but I'm into a guy that is, came out higher in my rankings than I expected. That's Carson Beck at, a, at a Georgia. I think he just does a lot of things really well. You know, I think he goes through his progressions really well. I think he's fairly clean mechanically. I think he stands in the pocket really well. Um, he's a guy who attacks all three levels of the field too. He's not just dumping off short. He's not just dumping off uh, or, or hitting uh, short passes and letting guys do work, which he, there is, a, is some element to that as well, especially when Georgia's, you know, winning the game or whatever, they don't push the ball downfield too much. Um, but when we do, we have seen him in some shootouts or whatever, he will throw the ball down the field and he does a really good job of it. I think there's still an element of his game where like, you know, I want to see him get hit in the mouth a little bit more. Georgia had a fairly easy schedule this year. They weren't really challenged that much until that like Alabama game at the end of the year, which I still thought he looked pretty good in. But I think he has a lot of tools that are going to get him a nice a, a nice floor at the NFL level. And I still think there's room for him to be one of these pocket passers that we rely on at the next level. You know, whether that's Matt Stafford, whether that's Joe Burrow, like and I'm not saying he's any any of those guys, but at least there is still pocket passers being fantasy relevant at the next level. And I still think he can fit that mold of being that type of guy and potentially work himself into a first round pick next year with another strong year of play. Yeah. I love this pick. Uh, I think yeah, Corey just hit it all there. The only thing really to add is I think he got a little more comfortable running uh, about week nine ish after Florida. I don't have to break down the numbers, but he never likes to pass like four rushing attempts. He needs to pass that after week nine, a couple of times. So I, I and definitely, there's definitely like some, um, comfortability issues like week one week two week three and then i remember me and Corey talking about that and like week four on like he just looked better as the year went on yeah. the, the game against what was it, against michigan the last the final game was not great but besides that he was great spectacular yeah uh heading over to the 209 here i actually took um a bit of a risk here uh i took wide receiver slash defensive back travis hunter uh from colorado Travis Hunter has all the movement abilities that we see in Kadarius Tony, who's always hurt in the NFL. Anyway, Travis Hunter's not hurt. Uh, he's got a really good hands. He's a good pass catcher. He's good movement ability. I think his yak is a little bit underrated. I know I want to say like PFF has him at like a four yards per carry, but it's he's shifty in the open field. If you let him give it space, he's going to make you pay. He's going to make not just one guy miss, but like multiple guys miss. Usually, usually wide receivers just kind of turn up field and get what they can, but like he has a very natural feel for the game. Uh, I actually also already wrote his Debbie profile. I want to do a little bit of film review. His route running was a little bit 
less than what I thought it was. Not a lot of manipulation, which I was, I don't know. I, I thought I would assume that I would see more of that. Uh, and now to address the concerns, though, about being a defensive back, because that's kind of where this risk comes from if he commits being a DB. He makes all the right reads. Uh, he is mentally there. He's a ball hawk. A defensive back with good hands is also kind of appealing for uh, for defenses on the NFL side, for sure. Um, but he, at the high school level and at the college level, when he goes up against a bully ball-style wide receiver, he loses. Uh, he gets dominated. Chris Bell, three-star wide receiver that's right now on Louisville's team, I think he's I think Chris Bell is going to probably going to start this year. He killed him in high school. And then now on this pro side, he went up against uh, Alec A.O. Manor uh, from Stanford. And, like, I, it, dude, it was a slaughter. It was so bad. There was one time when Travis Hunter read the ball correctly, caught it himself, kind of crowded it, and then A.O. Manor just ripped it out of his arms. It was, it was like, depressing to watch. So I think, I think once we get close to the NFL times and defensive-minded people watch this stuff and say, well, we can't put them on – the more physical wide receivers and we, we can't put them on Jamar chase. I don't want him to get relegated to nickel corner style stuff. And also like Dion coach Dion coach prime likes to sell, like teach players how to market themselves and sell themselves. Like he's like YouTube, like his YouTube accounts massive and he sells himself. I think he gets more followers. If he was a wide receiver, he's going to sell more jerseys to wide receivers. His age hmm. is going to make more money as a wide receiver rather than a defensive back. So I do think, for multiple reasons that he will ultimately settle on being a wide receiver for the NFL. Yeah. Before I kick, before I kick it to Aaron here for his pick, I I will just say um, top defensive back contract in the NFL right now is 21,000, 21 million a year for Jair Alexander. That's Keenan Allen money at wide receiver. Who's like the 12th highest wide receiver right now, or like the 13th. Like there's so many spots there for him to gain more money than that. So if he is kind of a money chaser, which I think he kind of is, you know, like a lot of these wide receiver types are, are those diva types. The wide receivers is where the money is at. If he wants to make more money at the next level. Yeah. And that was a really fun pick. And at this point we know this Debbie landscape right now. It's like some of these guys, even in the late first, like they could be in the third round at some other drafts. Like it's just so volatile and kind of wide open. Why not take a shot on a guy with as high of upside as Travis Hunter? So I, I don't mind it, Mike, knowing that there's, there's still a fair chance that he will end up doing that cornerback route. If like you said, he's maybe not quite as developed as a route runner, for example, but he has the natural movement abilities, which really, makes me think he can learn to be a, a elite or at least a very competent route runner at the next level and we know his athleticism and ball skills so don't mind travis hunter there but at 210 i will go back to the quarterback position here and jackson dart is my selection so he's going to be at old miss again he just showed a lot more this past season that people did not expect i think he started to lose some of that glimmer people just started burying him in the ranks and then he actually showed out really well this season and i think he's only going to take a further step up um he's there's a lot of returning talent in that old Miss room. And I, I just think that ultimately another year in that system is going to benefit him in a down quarterback class where he could easily be that quarterback one. So Jackson Dart for me was, was the guy. Yeah. He was less of a gunslinger this year, which was actually nice to see. Like he toned it down a little bit and he played a little bit more like that was kind of, some people knocked him on it for being a little bit of a gunslinger earlier in his career and a lot of big time throws, but a lot of like interceptions and like weird mistakes as well. But he cleaned that up this year a little bit and looked 
a lot better. You're not going to hear a complaint from uh, from uh, this team over here. I mean, coming into the year, we put out some graphics. He was one of our quarterbacks to watch that could be like a sneaky climber. And I, there's still a chance he's that guy next year as well. I think he does a lot of things really well. So I'm not, a, it's a little bit high for me, I think, to take him here, but um, I got no problem with it. I see the upside there and I, I have no problem projecting him a little bit more. At 211, I'm going to go with a guy that me and I know Mike can't quit and a lot of us can't quit out there. Even if the NFL draft doesn't seem to love him for for whatever reason, as Devin Neal running back over at Kansas, you know I still love a lot of the things this guy does. He's very efficient with his touches. Doesn't get like a lot of double digit or a, a lot of like touches because they split the backfield so much. But him as a receiving weapon as well, and the efficiency that he carries with those touches. I mean. And every year he's progressing as well. I just, I really wish we could see him in a full workload. And I think that would help gather the attention as well, but he does really well with the work that he gets as well. And I just wish he was getting more attention out there. And that's my biggest concern about him. But at 211, I'm willing to take the risk for a guy that probably would have been my running back three in this draft. There's quite a few running backs that need to prove it. Mm -hmm. I don't think Devin Neal needs to prove anything. I think he already had that last year. He just needs to do it again to get recognition for what he's already done. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of my logic. I do like Nevin Neal. I have him very high in my rankings and I feel very comfortable about it too. At the 212, I took Oklahoma quarterback Jackson Arnold. Jackson with a uh, CK, not an X. So thank you, Jackson Arnold. Uh, got his first true start in the bowl game, right? He th- wasn't very comfortable to start off the, the game. Most quarterbacks really aren't on their first start. That's a lot of bowl game performances. I'm talking about like Caden Velkamp and even Nico that I talked about earlier, a lot of these guys just don't look Miller Moss. None of these guys look good their first quarter, but he definitely settled in and came back. So, like, he threw three picks, sure. But, like, he came back, won the game. Like, it, he looked good, fine, comfortable, and I feel fine for him the next level. He has a lot of the tools. We're worried a little bit about the size, a little bit about the system. Uh, so, it's a little bit harder to, like, look at him compared to Nico and be like, well, Nico's got SEC. We've had these coaches have success putting uh, – quarter like nfl ready uh quarterbacks in so arnold's kind of a guy with the tools looks fine we just want to see it so uh he's at the 212 here and i actually felt pretty good about getting him in front of beck and dart i do like beck a lot and i do think dart has potential but the mystery box upside that jackson arnold has over these guys is a little bit more appealing to me all right, why don't you uh, recap the second round there? And then we'll let's hit a speed round on round three because we're getting a little bit uh, long in the tooth here. But why don't you recap number two here? Yeah, at second round here, we got uh, 201, Justice Haynes, running back from Alabama. At the 202, the Texas wide receiver, Jontae Cook. At the 203, we had Micah Hudson, true freshman from Texas Tech, wide receiver. Three true freshmen in a row. We have Jeremiah Smith, wide receiver from Ohio State, and then Ryan Williams, who is undeclared right now. We hope he goes back to Alabama, all three true freshmen. Then we have at the 206, we have Eugene Wilson, the third wide receiver from Florida. 207, Nick Singleton, the running back from Penn State. At the 208, we have quarterback Carson Beck from Georgia. At the 209, we have the wide receiver slash defensive back, Travis Hunter from Colorado. At the 210, we got QB Jackson Dart from Ole Miss. At the 211, we have Devin Neal, running back from Kansas. Should have came out. Uh, and then quarterback Jackson Arnold from Oklahoma. Aaron, hit us off with the 301. Yes, and, and you're right. Devin Neal should have come out. But <laughs> 301, Ashton Janty, running back, Boise State. Um, I don't care that it's G5 because Boise State, first of all, has a track record of putting out guys, Jay Jai, Doug Martin, Alexander Madison, etc. And 
Ashton Gianti is 5'9", 210. It's not like he's some little small back. And he had a prolific season, one of the best seasons of any running back um, last season. And, I mean, what he's doing in the receiving game is phenomenal. He's going to be a threat at the NFL level. We know that he can carve out a pass-catching role as a, at a minimum with those skills and that production that he's put out. Um, we just have to see exactly how lucrative that role is at the NFL level. But I think he he will have a role. He's shown just such great production there, even having to share some of that backfield last year for part of the season. So Gianti is my pick at 301. 302, I'm going back to the quarterback well with, uh, I had a really hard time choosing between two quarterbacks who don't end up getting drafted in this draft. So I just want a quick one, one or two word answer from you, who you guys would prefer. Mr. Quinn Ewers from Texas or Mr. Drew Aller from Penn State? Aaron, who do you prefer? At this time, Quinn Ewers. I think I'm going with Drew Aller. Yeah, see, so I that's the that's the internal battle that I had. Quinn Ewers, a guy that we've seen some of that we know he needs to work on uh, a little bit, but now he's only got the one year left to do it. Um, Drew Aller, who we were very excited about coming to the year, I thought he could be you know part of that part of that tier one quarterbacks entering this season now, but pretty much disappointed us. Let his team do a lot of the work for him. That defense do a lot of the work for him, but. We just need to see more from him push, maybe some better weapons around him as well. So I had a really hard time picking between the two. I did end up going with Quinn Ewers here, um, but I just didn't want to, I did want to shout out Drew Aller, who didn't end up going drafted in this draft as well. So that's why I went with here at 302. He's gotten really nice weapons around him. They've reloaded the room around him. Uh, people are calling for him to be the next Heisman right now. He's got the best odds to do it. So let's hope we see another year of development from, from Ewers and hopefully get that first round draft capital we thought he could have. At the 303, I go back for another Jackson. I grab Caleb Jackson, LSU running back, six foot two twenty-five. He's a track star out of high school. Missed his senior season due to the injury, so he fell a little bit in the range for twenty-four-seven. But he looked great, and we love small sample sizes. So, thirty-one attempts for one hundred and sixty-five yards. That's five point three yards per carry. Four touchdowns on those with eleven missed tackles forced. Like those are all very efficient numbers. Uh, this room is somewhat cleared out. Logan Diggs is gone. He went over to Ole Miss. Uh, Josh Williams is out of eligibility. I think Noah Kane's out of eligibility. This room is like cleared out and it's very clear that he is the next man up and he has all the tools for it. And even in small sample size, like he looks good. 3.7 yards after contact as well for his small sample size. So excited about Caleb Jackson. He's probably going to take over. I think, I think I actually have him ranked too low. So I think he's going to be someone that's going to really shoot up the rankings by, um, by end of the year. I like it. I mean, he's a very capable guy. I don't know if he'll be going in the second and I mean, anytime soon, but I think the third is the right time. Um, if you're pretty sharp trying to go after him. So I I'm going to go at three Oh four Dylan Rayola quarterback going to Nebraska. And I know that a Nebraska quarterback is, is maybe not the most, um, safe thing right in the world but the guy as a recruit is just awesome and i mean he has the frame he has recruiting pedigree it's not necessarily like oh no teams wanted him like every team every top college team wanted rayola he just he just chose to go to nebraska and he has all the tools that the nfl is looking for and he's gonna have the opportunity to start right away so i think that's just very exciting to see some some early returns on your investment in dylan rayola yeah, and this is the one area that if, if they're around, if we do take a second to stop, that I would mind having a little bit of conversation about. Because at 305, I decide just to, even for conversation purposes to go with the guy who I think is my quarterback one right now, which is DJ Lagway, um, committed to Florida right now. But I just think I wanted to get your opinion on when you look at the tape. Because when I watched Lagway's tape, 
what I felt I saw was somebody who made more NFL throws, more tight window throws, more different, like more anticipation. The deep ball even looked a little bit better. Whereas like I'm watching Rayola's senior tape and like, it's just constant, like deep balls being shot over and over again. Like it's constant, like back shoulder throws is like, I don't feel like I saw a lot of the rifling or the, the, the on the move stuff. I will say this Dylan Rayola looks way cleaner from a mechanical standpoint, like hundred percent looks way more comfortable in the pocket operating that play action that they operated last year. He looked really clean doing that. DJ Legway has a bad tendency to like back up in the pocket. Sometimes he has way better rushing ability, which we, we saw this year at a monster senior season. Um, but he does do it mechanically. He's got like a baseball throw and he's got, he's, we have to see if he can get away with playing like that. Like we've seen some of the guys at the next level do, but I do feel like I just saw more NFL type throws from Legway. So I want to get your opinion on, on what separated the two for you. Yeah, that's tough. Uh, Cause I, and initially hated Rayola going to Nebraska, but mm-hmm. uh, Austin kind of pointed out like he gets to start right away. We don't have to play the game of, oh, this year is going to be his year. Uh, so that was kind of a plus to see him earlier. DJ Lagway too. It's a little bit hard because I Billy Billy Napier, Sunbelt, Billy in Florida, like did not build the offense around Anthony Richardson, and yeah. that was a shame. And then he goes and actually builds the offense around Graham Mertz. Uh, so. I am a little bit concerned if he can do that with DJ Lagway, but we're also speculating that he might not be for long for Florida. So um, this is tough. I don't fault anyone for having Lagway higher over Riola or vice versa. So, sorry, I don't, I can't, I didn't help you out. I got no real. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm probably not going to help you out either, Corey. Sorry. Uh, no, I, I just, I do, I do like both of these quarterbacks a lot and, and Lagway is just the classic, like you see what he can do on the, on the ground. Like his rushing was great. His high school senior season was just a monster um, display out there and the mobility is good. I think that, you know, prioritizing passing. Um, I mean, not that Lagway is a bad passer by any means, but like you, you said, some of the things that Rayola does um, as a passer is just really sharp. So I, I think at the end of the day, you know, situation wise, Florida is going to be, it's going to be maybe a, a team where they lose a lot of talent transferring out things like that. If there's going to be a coaching change at some point in the next year, um, I'm a little bit concerned for what that means for DJ Lagway, but we'll, we'll see. I mean, very good pick there. No qualms with that. Yeah, the development is obviously going to be the big, the big point there. But anyways, Mike, take it away with your 306. Yeah, another uh, another small sample size guy here. That we, we've all been burned by small sample size guys. But Lenore Sellers, uh, quarterback from South Carolina here, clearly the most athletic quarterback in that class. Another theme from Caleb Jackson was injured his junior year of high school, comes back senior, throws for like 38 touchdowns and only two picks. Uh, we got to see some nice improvision from him at South Carolina, some nice dual threat ability. Dude's got goggles. Who doesn't like when guys wear some goggles? <laughs> Helps them stand out. Um, South Carolina fishes in the portal like every single year quite often. They fish for quarterback. What felt kind of hard and was unsuccessful, yet having visitors. And I think with all these aging vets that are in college, they told them that they have to compete, and they didn't even want to do that. So I think Lenora Sellers not only held off the veterans with actual starting experience because they didn't want – I think Sellers has the talent. And so, like if people are like, oh, who's going to be the next dual threat quarterback? It's Lenora Sellers. It's Lenora Sellers. 
Well, well, if if Sellers doesn't win that job, then then it's over because Robbie Ashford's not great. Yeah, I would never win again. Oh, three hundred seven here, Roderick Robinson, Georgia back, drafted another one, and I actually, you know, both of these Georgia running backs. It's not like I'm feeling overly confident in one guy being the guy or the other. I just think that they're both really talented guys. And Roderick Robinson, he looked good, albeit you know in some some garbage time, maybe some less important parts of games, but. I mean, Roderick Robinson's a beast. He's super athletic, great workhorse size. Um, Going to be potentially a guy like Braylon Allen. So if you're excited about Braylon Allen coming into the NFL as a rookie, this guy similar in a lot of ways. So uh, Roderick Robinson, high-end recruit for Georgia, um, who flashed this freshman season. I, I think he's going to have a bigger and bigger role this this year as well. Yeah, excited to see what he can do. Definitely a little bit of a raw guy coming in, but it'll be interesting to see how he develops this year. And now he's got now some taken off his shoulders, at least. He doesn't have shoulders so much. Can, can continue to develop anyways. At 308, I'm going with uh, everybody's favorite breakout running back. It's kind of a, where from where I've been seeing him go in mocks. This is almost disrespectful, but I understand that I am the high guy. <laughs> on Ollie Gordon uh, at Oklahoma State. Uh, but um, I do see some of the things that he needs to do. Like, I do think that he can become a better interior runner. I do think he d- does work out uh, better out in space, but I'm not as down as uh, some of my colleagues here at the, at the, uh, at campus account. I think he does a lot of things really well. I think he's a great in the receiving game. He's got the size you want to see, and he does have some shiftiness in between the tackles and he does have some some uh, dr- leg drive and some power as well, even though those are all on a little bit of an in- inconsistent level f- uh, for me. So I want to see continued development throughout this year, but I think he's going to be a name that we're going to be hearing within a lot of people's uh, at the top of their rankings going into uh, his draft year next year. I almost pulled the trigger on him multiple times. It was yeah. like, and, and there was a couple of running backs that were that way for me. Like, I don't even feel that great about Roderick Robinson because Ollie Gordon's proven more at this point. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's definitely insulated value here. I I it was frustrating for me. He was a hard guy for me to rank because it feels like he should have gone a little bit earlier. Um, and then speaking of upside guys, I took Cameron Selden here, the three hundred nine running back for Tennessee. There's a lot of similarities between him and Raheem Sanders, who I know is not quite the success story right now. But Cameron Selden, uh, again, just a nice athlete, six foot two, two twenty can run like 22 miles an hour. He's just insane. He fumbled a ball like week four and they benched him for it for a long time. Then he got some run again, week 10, week 12. And then the bowl game And the bowl game at Iowa was when he didn't get to start, but he got 13 rest for 55 yards. There's nothing special. And even watching him as a true freshman, I try to say to not be critical. Uh, his vision was clearly a very big issue. So I think they can fix that though. I don't think Tennessee really develops high end running backs. I know they run a lot, but I feel like, I feel like they open up really big holes. Like I don't think Jalen Wright's going to be a guy that has good vision. I don't think Dylan Sampson does either. I don't think anybody they have there is actually good at vision. It's more about teaching them where to look, uh, which is just, I think, more scheme-related. But I think Cam Selden's a really good athlete, so I'm, I'm waiting to see more, and there's clearly opportunity coming to him this year. Well, at 310, I'll go Arch Manning, quarterback. I just wanted to go arch just for the fact that I, I do think that he's up after this season at a minimum like we talked about earlier it is possible that he takes the job at some point whether it's due to injury or due to just play and i mean there's obvious upside with arch being a great recruit having that lineage and ultimately it's just a waiting game with him like you hate to wait two years or over more than two years to get something out of your quarterback as an investment in Devi. but i mean if you're going to wait around for a guy arch manning seems like the guy to do it and and just the recruiting that texas is doing right now i mean they're 
building a dominant team for years to come. So just have some patience with Arch. I think at this point in the draft, you can take him. I'm not a big fan taking him like in the first, for example, though. Yeah, and there's definitely some some things with this profile that are a little bit worrisome, you know, playing the 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 uh, private league football and then c- kind of crumbling in the playoffs. That I'm really eager to see how he kind of does what at the time he finally does hit the collegiate field, how how much he's been able to develop with his year sitting and, and now he's getting another year behind Paneers, which I think is actually good for him. I just hope he actually sticks around and doesn't get in his head that he's got to go and hopefully start somewhere or whatever, or he's not happy with it. So I'm um, really excited to see what he's going to be able to do. At 311, I went with a little bit of a, a guy that it, that I really like. I know some people are, are kind of polarizing on him, but Damian Martinez running back for Oregon state. I think he's done a lot of things really well. Um, I think I've seen development over the years as well. He's definitely your, your bigger size back 230 pounds, but has, you know, said that he's had reported times of up to 22 miles per hour. I don't know if I believe that, but I know there is some recorded times of 21 miles per hour. So he does fall into that range of a very high uh, size speed back, which you love to see. I, uh, my colleague will tell you that he doesn't see a lot of footwork there, but I think I do see some, uh, da- some uh, footwork from Damian Martinez in between the tackles as well. And I think it's still an area that he can continue to keep developing, but um, I- I'm a big fan of his game. And I'm my biggest worry is what the heck is going to happen with Oregon state. Like, because they're kind of in limbo right now with the Pac-12 crumbling. Like I, I don't. I think they're playing like a G5 schedule this year. Or not? I don't even know. What Mountain means. West, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So I think they're. I, st- I think they're playing a Mountain West schedule, which might be good for him. Might end up looking really good playing a Mountain West schedule, anyway. So maybe he ends up even higher than this. I don't know. But I, I was pretty confident he was at least going to be a name that was circling around top five backs uh, when we start talking about the class next year. So I, I'll, I'll be eager to see if he can still maintain that, or if he stays another year and kind of tries to get more recognition, depending on what happens with Oregon State. It'll be fun, too, because he played against Action Genty in high school. Now he gets to play against him in college. There you yeah. go. <laughs> I love the story. Um, yeah, in hindsight, I might have taken him over Cam Selden. It's definitely an upside pick, but I'm not even, like, that confident. But <laughs> that's not how I should say it. Talk about my pick, though. <laughs> um, right, finish this off here, buddy. 312. Yes, looking in hindsight, though, because we do have an honorable mention section, I probably would have picked a handful of players over right now. But – I'm part of a co-host of this show, and I wanted to talk about him, so that's how I'm going to choose to talk about him. At the 311, <laughs> I am taking the Kansas State transfer going to Ohio State QB, Will Howard. Will Howard, who's six foot five, 240, and it is very clear to me, very clear to me, that there are people in this podcast, I'm calling them out right now, that don't bother to watch Kansas State to form their opinions. So I'm here to do it for you guys. Don't worry, I have a really good track record with quarterback. Keep on this podcast feed. On, on this podcast. Yes. Yeah. The, the college tiff that's on Wednesdays or whatever they call themselves nowadays. Will Howard started last year when Adrian Martinez was injured, which was actually two years ago, excuse me, was five and two as a starter with his loss going to TCU, TCU who went to the national championship. And then the other loss was to Alabama during the bowl game. I mean, those are like two losses. Like, yeah, I'm sorry. Like it's, that was his first season starting TCU. They also then beat in the conference championship title. So he kind of got his revenge there. Five and two starting out. This year, he finished out nine and four. Week three, they lost to Missouri. Missouri's like, we knew Missouri's going to be a powerhouse team. They're just better team. And it was still a shootout. At week six, that was his worst game of the season of Oklahoma State. He threw three picks. It's just a bad game. And it was the only game where Kansas's offense scored less than 27 points the entire year. The only game. He got hurt in week seven against Texas Tech which is very noticeable. You can see it on tape. It's not just reported. You can turn on any even highlight tape you want to watch, and you can just see him limp around the field for the next two weeks. His yards per carry 
leading up to that game were 8.8 yards per carry. He had 29 rushing attempts for 256 yards. Ever since that game, it was 171 yards and it averaged out to be 4.6 yards per carry. Like it was very obvious his mobility was also cut, which probably also messed with his mechanics, being able to set his feet. He was overthrowing the ball a few times too. And his supporting cast is Phillip Brooks and and what was it someone Garcia? Like it's not a good supporting cast. True freshman Chase Brown, who's a three-star wide receiver, was their wide receiver too, with you know, and he only missed wide receiver one numbers by like 30 yards. So he's going to Ohio State. He's not going there to hand the ball off. We talk all the time about how Ryan Day is stubborn in his play calling. We had to wait till Justin Fields went to the Bears to find out he can run like that. And then we get to see like CJ Stroud just pop off against Georgia for the final game, just playing like we haven't seen him play all year. So I don't think Will Howard's going to be handing the ball off all game. I think he's going to be running the usual Ryan Day offense. We're going to see him sling the ball the way we see every single quarterback throw the ball over there. And he doesn't have arm talent problems the way the way Kyle McCord does. Kyle McCord can't throw the ball more than like five yards. It's it's pathetic. Will Howard today is a better quarterback than Kyle McCord. He's going to prove you guys all wrong. He's going to be at least a day two pick, probably day one. And Ohio State fans should be very happy with this selection. There is a much worse out there in the portal. Could have gotten Robbie Ashford. Or they could have been Miami waiting for Puffenberg to come on over. So turn on some Kansas State. Are you done now? <laughs> I'm done. I mean, <laughs> okay. There was Mike's Will Howard rant. He, he told us that we had to let him go off on it. But yeah. Thank I mean, you. I, I like oh, a lot of. Recap? Go, go ahead. Talk go. About Will no, I was just read. saying, I like, I, I like a lot of the things you said, but 312 is pr- pretty spicy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, going over the third round here 301, Ash Genty, Aaron picked them running back from Boise. 302, you got the QB, Quinn Ewers, hoping that deep ball improves over there at Texas. 303, we got the LSU running back, Caleb Jackson. At the 304, Aaron selects true freshman quarterback, Dylan Rayola, going to Nebraska. At the 305, Corey selects true freshman quarterback, DJ Lagway, over at Florida. Mike goes for another quarterback here, too, following suit with Lenore Sellers from South Carolina. Aaron gets another Georgia running back from Roderick Robinson. Corey goes and grabs Ollie Gordon. Number one running back, I believe, in college football last year for rushing yards. Probably going to be on the Heisman ballot this year. Ollie Gordon. Uh, Mike takes project running back, feeling mediocre about the pick. Cameron Seldon from Tennessee. Aaron goes and grabs Arch Manning, QB from Texas there. Corey gets Damian Martinez. Oregon State, not sure what Oregon State is doing as a program. They need to figure it out. Running back there. And then Mike finishes off with Will Howard at the 312 quarterback for Ohio State. Future future high pick in the NFL draft. Honorable mentions, gentlemen. So you just want me to roll through the list here real quick, cap it off, or you want to talk about it a little bit? No, you could just like roll through the list here. Um, I thought most interesting one, maybe Drew Aller not getting drafted through three rounds here, I think. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, Deuce Robinson, another name, Marion Hampton, another guy. But yeah, you can go through the rest of the names here. Yeah, uh, Deuce Robinson, who's like a wide receiver tight end. People are still hanging on to the tight end thing. I think wide receiver route, we're going to look at like a Mike Evans, like where anything that's going to be his successful route. Has some drops in that bowl game, but again, still like a guy that we're excited to see and we think he has just oozing talent. Amarian Hampton, uh, running back from UNC. I think Corey and I think he has some nice fast footwork, but like speed and, expl- and just, just doesn't capitalize off of it. Mm-hmm. Jordan James, DJ Gintz, kind of in the same boat for us. We think they have a lot of upside. They're going to be names that are definitely going to be elevated and talk about more widely. Uh, Jordan James, running back from Oregon. 
Oregon, excuse me, and then DJ Giddens running back from Kansas State. So when you guys are watching, Will Howard, please go check out DJ Giddens, very underrated running back. Uh, wide receiver Kevin Concepcion, often called KC, uh, out of NC State. A lot of like Puka Nakua comps, which I kind of agree with, but like, that's kind of useless dependent. And Robert and I has really good history too. I mean, you got Aranda Gaston, Dontavian Wicks, guys that weren't really high-end NFL draft picks. But again, like manufactured touches, really smart always OC. No doubt, KC keeps it going over there. Drew Aller had a down year. New OC coming in. We'll see how it goes uh, over there at Penn State. Quentin Martin and Taylor Tatum were two true freshman running backs here. I think Aaron wanted me to mention here, but Quentin Martin going to Penn State, Taylor Tatum going to Oklahoma, which is, I believe Oklahoma is a little bit open outside of Gavin Solchuk. I would take most of these guys over Cam Selton. I'm sorry for that selection, guys. Anyway, we, we took a couple guys we just wanted to talk about. As well, so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. guys, that's up for our show. Aaron, thank you for joining us. It's getting a little late. Corey's getting grumpy. From Corey, from Mike, and from Aaron. Good night and good luck. Yeah.